Hey, paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show! With the Mario Brothers and plumbing's a game, we're not like the others who get all the fame. If your sink is in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. So hang on to your seat Get ready for adventure and remarkable feats You'll meet Koopas and Troopas, the princess and the others Hanging with the plumbers, you'll be hooked on the brothers to the Welcome to the Book of Medora. It's the podcast where we talk about our favorite cartoon show, The Legend of Zelda. This is where you insert crickets. No, fuck. I'm Crystal, and with me is my co-host Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hey! <laughs> oh no. What's your favorite part of The Legend of Zelda cartoon show? The fact that they keep using those goddamn Famicom sound effects. I was going to say that. Um, uh, I, I think it's how they really tried and then succeeded to make Excuse Me, Princess, a thing. Yeah, it became a meme 20 years later. This show aired in North America from September 8th, 1989 to December 1st, 1989, produced by The Incredible World of Dick and distributed by Viacom Enterprises. It's fucking rancid. <laughs> It was a segment uh, that aired once a week on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. I've never watched any part of the Super Show except for this bullshit. I think Did you watch some... this when it came out? No, God, I, I was like a year old. Uh, I was not much older than that. And you weren't even speaking English yet. The, Yeah, probably not. The first time I watched this was when I was... 13 or 14 and i downloaded it to watch on my real player because you really enjoyed ocarina of time yes. what a shock it, it, it was a shock yeah i i may have liked an episode or two uh-huh and crystal you've never seen an episode before a week from now i have seen exactly one episode of this show and that was the other day when i watched one episode of the show and said I'll watch the rest of this later. And then I didn't. What do you think of that first episode? It's not very good. In fact, it's pretty bad. We'll have some listeners who have fond memories. They're allowed to. We all have fond memories of bad things. Bad cartoons. Yeah. I love Transformers. This this came out in the 
Well, it aired in the post-Zelda 2 era, but the production probably began before Zelda 2 came out, at least in the United States. Yeah, I would think so. So it's primarily based on the first Legend of Zelda game. So the tone of Zelda had not really been established strongly yet. No. And this is a certain interpretation of it. It's kind of like they took what was in the instruction manual and then crossed it over with Dungeons and Dragons, sort of. And then tried to make it cool and hip for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I did learn was the the voice acting company must have been Canadian. Because if you check the actor profiles, almost all of them are from Toronto mm-hmm. or otherwise. One of the voice actors is still um, acting. Yes. That would be the voice actor for Sprite. Yes. She is actually the voice of Rarity and Princess Luna from My Little Pony. Friendship Friendship is is magic. (laughs) So she's come a long way. Good job. Yeah. But I mean, it was 1988. You got bills to pay. Yeah. God, this fucking show, though. This show did introduce some elements that would later become important to the Zelda series, however. Not just some. Many. It's more than you think. More than you're going to be comfortable learning about. I flagged them in my notes. Did you do it like per episode? Yeah. Okay. Shall we walk through the episodes? Yeah, let's just walk through the very first episode. Sure. Episode one, The Ringer. Which is an archaic term, which I had to look up in the dictionary. Crystal, since this is the one episode that you've told, uh, why don't you tell me about this episode? So, this episode begins, of course, with Link waking up. Another beautiful day in the magical kingdom of Hyrule. Boring place. I used to roam the world, fighting monsters and sleeping in mud. A hero's life. Now look at me, living in the castle, sleeping in a bed. Aren't I sweet? Yuck. I'd like to know one good reason why I even stay here. So, this appears... The show appears to be framing itself as a sequel to The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Yep. Link saved the day. Now he lives in the castle and he's not an adventurer anymore. He's now, kind of a Conan figure in this. In what way? Conan the Barbarian who takes over the throne of a particular kingdom and has to stop being a wandering adventurer and he hates it. Oh, it's, only in this one. He's literally the guardian of the Triforce sleeping in the Triforce room. Uh, yeah. So then Link goes out the window, and he sees Zelda in her underwear, and he's like, wolf whistle. Hey, girl, I can see your titties from up here. Yeah, I mean, he basically looking good, princess, especially from this angle. Hey. The perfect 80s way to start a cartoon, i.e. sexual harassment. Oh, that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop even a little bit. In fact, it only gets more severe as the series goes on, which has led to me doing some very particular readings on the show so that I can get through it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. Believe me, we'll get to it. And then we see... It's just that this is the big introduction for Link, and he starts off by wolf whistling at Zelda and talking about how he sees her from up there because his tower overlooks her bedroom. He also has a giant portrait of zelda in front of the bed so he can always wake up to see her yeah and then all the multiple smaller portraits of zelda throughout the room yeah that's so yeah he likes looking at zelda yeah what about it well big enjoyment here's here's my question Mm -hmm. 
Uh, there's there's a Triforce in Link's room. Sure is. Why does it uh, look like a Force gem? I guess because they thought that having two golden triangles would look silly, but also it's just a Force gem. It's specifically a large green Force gem, so we know it's about 100 Force gems. You love throwing out this 100 Force gem thing. God damn it. There are a lot of large green force gems. Yeah, I guess so. Of course, in the universe of this show, there are still only two Triforce pieces, wisdom and power. And whosoever holds both will rule that land forever, though later we find that's not true. Right. I mean, Zelda doesn't rule the land forever. Yeah. Yeah, she sure doesn't. So Elite just gets attacked by a Moblin randomly. I guess they got in here. Yeah, they do. Island guards still suck. Here's the thing. You don't get this from just this first episode, but it becomes really clear really fast that Link is actually the only guard character who lives in Hyrule Castle. Go ahead. Go on. No, that's it. (laughs) Ganon seems to send wave after wave of about three to five moblins out of a time. Yeah. And they always make it as far as the Triforce room. Yeah. But he doesn't send them while Link's not there. Like, if Zelda and Link are out having a picnic or whatever the fuck, he will send the Moblins after them instead of after the Triforce. God damn it. Wait, hold on. Is Link left-handed in this show? I never I never checked. No, he is, he is right-handed. That would be too Unless hard to animate. this video I'm watching is mirrored. Okay, don't do a search for cartoon Link if you want to see Link from the cartoon. Uh, but he appears to be right-handed. Uh, see... Couldn't even get that right. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. So is this is this like a high rule that doesn't have the concept of a military? Um, and Link is like this guards. wandering foreigner who introduces the idea of what if we use the sword to kill the moblins? Crystal, over the course of thirteen episodes, I can only think of maybe seven characters who inhabit the castle, including Link, Zelda, and Sprite. There are guards. They helped build the pool in the pool. No, no, no. They're guards of Hyrule, not of the castle. And they appear to be independent contractors. And they are, I guess, constructing a a slip and slide. He calls them guards, but they're construction workers and they don't work at the castle. Mm. Also, the moblins can talk. The moblins can talk, yes. Mm -hmm. They are intelligence. They are very sapient. They they have language. They can uh, think ahead and make plans. Yes. They're also... You remember in, how we talked in the Adventure of Link episode, how in the art in the instruction booklet for Adventure of Link, the Moblins have a lot of perspective problems, but they're like the size of houses. Yeah. And in this show, they're very much just Dungeons and Dragons goblins. Uh-huh. They only come up to like Link's waist. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's that's what they are. They're just goblins. Because this show is just Dungeons and Dragons with a different thing. Link never actually slashes at any of them with his sword. It's very lucky that the sword beam is a thing in the game. Both because it's a place where they can use the Famicom sound effects. And because it gives Link a relatively non-violent way to dispatch of his opponents. He zaps them. He zaps them. And they call it zapping. Zapping is the word that they use for any damage done to any magical enemy, regardless of the means by which they are zapped, by boomerang, by sword blast, or by arrow. Now, when Link zaps the moblins, he does disintegrate them into nothingness. No, not at all. No, No. nobody dies. No, the moblins here most certainly do not die. They No? 
They become disintegrated, yes, but they reintegrate with memories and cognition intact within the evil jar. Oh, but that's not them. That's just the copy. No, that's them. They report back their failures to Ganon. In fact, they often use it as a means of reconnaissance. Okay, so these Moblins were never intended to truly steal the Triforce. They're just scoping out the sitch. No, they're trying to get it. Okay. Uh, Well, Link zaps the Moblins without too much difficulty, and then Zelda comes in, and she's very casual about this whole thing, as if Link just, like, killed a spider. Can we talk about how during this entire lead up to this conversation and it and for a few minutes past this also Link's not wearing any pants? Well, no, he usually doesn't. Uh, no, he absolutely does in the cartoon. He wears pants all the time except for the occasional extended action sequences where he's just wearing his night shirt. Hmm. Yeah, just something to note. No pants. After saving the Triforce from evil, the hero gets his reward. And he tries to kiss Zelda, but she slaps Link. This is good. And this is a running gag that is repeated about three to five times each episode. Yeah, it gets more frequent as the episodes go along. This is the origin of Zay Link. No. <laughs> oh, why did you do it's the that? First, it's the first instance of Z Link. Uh, I would say... The first instance is in the first game. Well, I mean, Adventure of Link came out in the States before this cartoon did. Uh, yeah, that too. Thank Zelda's you, not even in the first game. Yeah, she is. At the very ending. Yeah, okay. We've had this conversation on the Book of Medora in the episodes Monica wasn't around for. There are already some notable things about uh, the cartoon uh-huh. and what it introduced. First thing, uh, Zelda in pants. Yep, first time Zelda wears trousers is actually in this cartoon. Um, Also the first time Zelda's blonde. Yeah, actually. The second thing is a fairy companion. Link has a fairy companion. Sprite is the original Navi, yes. Which is fucked up. And this is just from this first sequence. Yep. This is also the origin of the mysterious fortune teller character. Yes, as we advance the plot of this cartoon. Because it's a uh, amateur magician day. Oh, magician's yes. contest. Yes, an amateur magician's contest because that's a very normal thing to have. And Gan's like, I'm gonna disguise myself as a mysterious hooded figure and enter the magician's contest as an amateur. So I can get the Triforce of <laughs> Wisdom. One of his monsters points out that he isn't an amateur. Which it's just—it's like, but Ganon, you're not an amateur. Oh, sorry, but Master, you're not an amateur. Right? He's like—he's like a ringer. He's—he's he's pretending to be a less talented athlete. Ah. But his method for showing up as a less talented amateur magician is to wear the face covering shadow robe, sit down on his palanquin and have it carried to the competition by his reanimated skeleton warriors nobody said he was a good (laughs) good liar yeah i guess but it's like the best part about it is that the disguise works and nobody questions that he's being carried around by the undead well he's a very good magician of amateur magician Right, he's a he's a, a very good amateur magician. He's gonna get paid for it. Yeah, as it's opposed a hobby. as opposed to the professional magicians who do what in this setting? Uh, they get rid of the smell of uh, dirty socks. Okay, you're, you're probably not even very wrong, actually. Crystal, 
you need to watch just for the sake of the weirdness of the episode you need to watch sing for the unicorn oh god like i almost want to say we should stop this recording so you can spend 15 minutes watching it but we can't we got to keep going well now hold on doesn't the triforce of power speak directly to canon yes only like the one time it speaks directly is it the one time Mm mm-hmm it, its line is, but you're no amateur. You're a pro. The oh, Triforce, Triforce is the one that pointed that out. Jesus. Thanks, Triforce. The funny thing is that the Triforce of Power notably does not rhyme when it talks. For some reason, the Triforce of Wisdom does rhyme when it talks. And the people writing for the script of this show didn't care very much. So the flow is a little strange. It's like Child of Eden. I didn't play Child of Eden. Is that a sick well, it's burn? A, it's a game where they try to make all the dialogue poetic, uh, but they're not good at, like, Iambic rhythm. pentameter? No. I would enjoy a game written in iambic pentameter. That'd be a hell of a challenge to write, though. Yes, it would. Oh, that'd be so cool. Somebody should do that. Maybe in Child of Eden, too. Uh. Another thing that becomes notable once the competition starts is that there are non-white looking magicians yeah there are black people here there are black people in hyrule the first people of color in hyrule yes. they wouldn't get more people of color in hyrule until the turban wearing marketplace guy and link to the past Ooh. yeah continuing on uh zelda sits in the throne i like her outfit it's a good outfit and she entertains some of these amateur magicians like i said one of them makes dirty socks smell better <laughs> and one of them makes a tomato a lot bigger. Then he makes it so big that it explodes and gets all over Zelda. Yeah. But then Ganon shows up. And he turns a cute little bird into a creepy bat. Yeah. That should be a warning sign for everybody. Yeah. Tone's very important in Hyrule. Wait. The the transcript is identifying this bat as an ache, which is different than a keese. Yeah, an ache is very particularly the little monster from Adventure of Link. And this is where I have to point out to you that not only in this episode, but in subsequent ones, they do use a lot of monster designs from Adventure of Link. I think Ganon rides in on a louder, loader, Mm. a big beetle-looking thing. That's right. It's the loader, which is one of the first enemies you encounter in Adventure of Link, especially in caves. Which, uh, what are we doing with this one, Crystal? Why don't they have the Triforce of Courage? What do you mean? What? Why would they? But because it's clear that they knew what Adventure of Link was when making at least some of these things. I mean, they might have had access. I. Mm. If we're going to pretend that this game is canonical, we're about to have a lot more problems. This th- sorry, this cartoon. I'm in that mode because I'm on the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast about Zelda lore. But if we're going to pretend that this shit is canonical we're about to have a lot of problems we're not going to pretend this is canonical don't well, be absurd this takes place before Zel- before link's 16th birthday so oh, he has i don't know no. about the triforce of courage yet except for impa and she has no reason to talk about it impa's not in this show no impa's not in the show she's never in the show not for a single episode there are no elderly women in this show actually huh weird so Ganon does his thing. Yeah, Ganon makes like a big monster dragon type thing in the courtyard out of a lizard to distract Link, who's supposed to be guarding the Triforce. 
but instead he's trying to get advice about how to woo Zelda from Sprite. But Sprite wants to kiss Link. What, you're not into short girls? Yeah, it, the thing that gets me about this is that and we're working blue this episode. I apologize to all of our listeners, but Sprite really wants her a piece of that. Uh-huh. She's big into the size difference. Sure is. Yeah. She's not the only fairy. There are lots of fairies out there, but she wants her this five foot two boy and something. So Ganon, the yellow pig man, not the blue pig man, just like sneaks into the tower and grabs the Triforce with his bare hands. While the whole battle with the dragon is going on in the courtyard. Right, this is this is all like very low rent. He just walks in there and takes it and then yep. like sidles his way out the window yep. and jumps back onto his palanquin and shuffles off. Yeah. I don't know, it's not very dramatic. No, why would it be though? There's a production it's, that means for us. Yeah. Here's the thing about this crystal. Um I don't know how many really episodic television shows you watched when you were a kid. And I don't mean episodic like Sailor Moon where there's a monster of the week but there's still an overarching plot that they slowly work their way toward. I mean really episodic where there's a status quo that is hard reset to at the end of every single episode. But this show is one of the most egregious versions of that. I I, you know, I would just like a little sense of what is the Triforce? Why is it so important? Oh, they never tell us. And who's Ganon? Who's this Ganon? guy? He's Ganon? an evil magician. Ganon is a pig man who is... He's like if Starscream didn't have Megatron, but Starscream was the main bad guy. Yeah, like this... So, okay. At this point, Ganon was not, like, the king of evil. He seemed to just be, like, a villain in the big world of Hyrule. Who rules the underworld. Yeah, so in this show, he is the ruler of the underworld. So he his status has increased a little bit, but the way he is portrayed uh, doesn't really give him any, like, villainous gravitas. He sometimes has a sort of scary voice. Uh, yeah. There's two modes of speaking for Ganon. One where it's really high and rats have just fucking like, I hate him so much. And then every once in a while he talks kind of like this. And it's like, and it's like, why doesn't he just talk that second way the whole way through? It'd be too scary for the kids. I guess. But then he would be like automatically elevated to a much greater sort of evil. Like Crystal mentioned, he's not really the king of darkness here. But if he was the king of darkness, he would use his scary voice all the time. He's the king of the underworld, and that's something. He has a throne. He has the he has evil, an jar. evil jar, and it's it's evil. It's very evil. I thought it was neat how the interpretation of the cartoon had you know the world as the overworld and the underworld. So all of the dungeons were this interconnected series of labyrinth, you know, places. It's actually not a bad interpretation of how the underworld works in the original game. I like it quite a lot in that respect. You mean how the doors would just suddenly pop up? From time to time, or be in a tree. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good, that part. And then it's also really nice how most of the music are like orchestral versions of the eight songs that anybody knows from the original game. Mm-hmm. It's good. Is this the first time that Ganon's actually a wizard? I think so. He's not really a wizard in the first game. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's funny how they, they 
correctly identify him as a wizard. I think it might have been an accident. Happy accident. I think they might have invented it. Yeah, I think they might have, just like they invented a lot of things that ended up being true. Another thing that uh, was first to this show, um, Zelda has a white horse and Link has a brown mare. Yeah, it is definitely a mare. He calls it, what does he call it? Catherine. Catherine, the original Epona. So in, in 30 years time, this would come to be in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, 29 years later, Link and Zelda would be riding a brown and white horse again. Crystal, how do they solve this problem where Ganon steals the Triforce of Wisdom at the beginning of the first episode? Well, Cameron, uh, they plant a seed in the ground, and one of the amateur magicians uses his magic to make the seed into a big tree, and then they pull back the big tree to catapult themselves towards uh, Ganon's palanquin, and then Link zaps one of the Stalfos with his sword zapper, and that makes the palanquin tip over, and Ganon goes flying forward, and he drops the Triforce. Also, the origin of Zelda being involved in action sequences, as it turns out, and Zelda as a, uh, well, I guess it only comes up later, but Zelda as a sorcerer, so to speak. Yeah, yeah there's actually a, a decent action shot here where Z- Zelda and Link are, like, back-to-back and Link is fighting Stalfos with his sword, and Zelda's, like, kicking them and shooting them with a magic bow. They really spent all their money on this first episode and, like, the last couple, and you can tell that they did it because the action shots are relatively high-octane. The fight with the dragon is cool. This fight here is pretty cool, too, except for the bit where Ganon chastises one of the Stalfos for not fighting properly, and then he starts shadowboxing to show them how to attack. (laughs) Gods. Yeah. Do it like this. I like that even though the weapon Zelda is holding is called a bow and appears to be a bow, she doesn't have to, like, pull back the string or anything. She just fires it like a gun. Yeah, because it's magic. It's fueled by the magic that's in rubies. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Zelda, it invented Zelda with a bow. That's They did that. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, what if women- Zelda had a gun? I guess that's Tetra. That's basically Tetra. Tetra never used her gun until Hyrule Warriors, and only then in the uh, after-game campaign. Uh, One thing that wasn't mentioned in this is that for no reason in particular, I guess, like, he says it's to make them more capable of fighting back-to-back. Link removes his belt and then wraps it around both his waist and Zelda's and cinches it, which, like, connects them at the waist. Right, he's a, a horny lad. Right. Uh, They're back to back at this point, but they go through all these sorts of really, uh, they seem much less efficient this way than if they were just fighting. Uh Yeah, but then Link gets to be touching Zelda. Yeah, and it gets more severe. Uh, Who is it that runs Ganon off in this one? Is it Zelda herself? Well, yeah, Zelda zaps Ganon with uh, her magic bow and sets his clothes on fire. Huh. And the day is saved. Good job. Does he, like, drop the Triforce? Well, one of the Stalfos throws uh, a bomb at Link, and then Link hits it like a baseball bat with a sword into, like, the dungeon entrance that Ganon is running into in a very funny animation. And then the dungeon entrance blows up, and the Triforce goes flying out right in front of Link. As happens. And they all I like the portrayal of bombs in this cartoon. The bombs are so extreme. It's animated like a nuclear explosion. 
Yeah, it's like if they actually packed a bowling ball full of dynamite, it would not blow up that hard. So Link's like, yeah, we saved the day. You should give me a kiss, Zelda. And Zelda's like, okay. But then Sprite shows up and says, knock it off. I think it was all um, a ploy to get out of the belt. And so Sprite releases the belt. Yeah, no the, kiss is necessary. One part we haven't mentioned here is that sometime during this sequence, um, either Link or Zelda gets turned around. No, both get turned around. So now they're face to face with their hips stuck together. And she's like, can you get this off, please? And Link's like, I don't know. I just don't know if I have the capability. And Sprite's like, I do. And laugh track. Cue well, laugh track. Cue laugh track. And Smash cut the credits. stuck in the evil jar. Yeah. Cam, you had a neat explanation for the evil jar. Oh, yeah. That's another part of the setting of this show that I really enjoyed. Um, for our listeners, the evil jar contains all the monsters and bad things that Ganon summons. And when any of them are defeated, including Ganon himself, they will return to the evil jar, waiting for Ganon's magic to unleash them. And I actually kind of like the evil jar as a narrative explanation for the way enemies respawn in the game. Sure, that's that's a, that's a good... Back and get sent out again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good adaptation of a video game thing. Yeah, and it also pulls double duty by making it so that the violence perpetrated against these monsters isn't... It's violence up to a certain point. It's not too bad a violence. It's like a, a, a kindergarten violence. It's okay. Because they're fine. They're fine. They're all right. They don't like getting zapped, but it doesn't hurt that bad, and it doesn't hurt them permanently. So, Cameron, you're to tell me that episode one is is the episode they put the budget into. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. Let me let me. <laughs> oh, uh huh. Yeah, I'm I'm I see an episode two where Sprite doesn't really fly across the screen so much as like they drag her layer in Photoshop. <laughs> Uh-huh. Or in this case, like the literal cell, I suppose. Yeah, they're just like yeah. get, getting it across there. I mean, don't get me wrong. The show has some moments where it's clear that they put some effort into certain sequences. But generally speaking, you can tell that they spent a lot of their animation budget on that first pilot episode. And also on the last couple of episodes because it's like, hey, maybe we can get a renewal if we do it this way. They didn't. Womp womp. There is one particular bit that we skipped, a particular line, um, when Link has bound himself and Zelda together at the hips. Uh, the particulars, uh, we got into like the the general gist of it where Zelda's like, take the belt off, and Link's like, uh, not if you don't kiss me. And she's like, eh, what? And he's like, yeah, basically. And she's like, the specific thing she says is, oh, all right. I suppose you do deserve some reward. Just don't try to make a habit of this. And he says, oh, I won't. I promise. And he crosses his fingers? He crosses oh. his fingers. And it happens in every fucking episode. At we're not, least twice. We're not going to go over every time it happens because we don't have that kind of time. But it happens. To be fair, Cameron, it's really funny. Is that what it is? Uh-huh. Why is it funny? Well, it's like, you know... It, it, uh, yeah? It, well, it's... uh like he's not respecting zelda's boundaries yeah uh and that is that is like the essence of comedy this is the 80s joke format you know 
there women have like self-actualized uh-huh but you know so then they're not like total pushovers right but the guys still want you know smooches and stuff and you know the gals would be like oh no but they do like the guys yeah so of then course. it'd be like the more you harass <laughs> a girl the more genuine it will be Ugh. when you get together it's the same logic that they used in the Voltron Legendary Defender. Oh, yeah, is that show bad now? It's not. It had a very bad seventh season. It was like, I would say that character-wise, Voltron Legendary Defender has all of the strengths and weaknesses of the Mass Effect series. Do they actually produce those as separate seasons, or are they one season cut in half? Um, I think each 13-episode chunk is actually a season that's produced that way. Okay. Uh, you you can tell it more easily for certain ones. This last one definitely felt like its own arc, sort of. Oh no, no, there, there. I can't really say that. There are problems with framing it that way. You don't have to catch up on this show now, Crystal. I'm fucking pissed at it. Okay. And not even about. I am also pissed about the things that everyone else is pissed about. But like, I have structural problems with the show. God damn it. Let's talk about a much better show, The Legend of Zelda cartoon. <laughs> No, I can't keep that up. Absolutely nothing happens in the second episode. That's not true. We'll just do a short summary. Link also tries to kiss Zelda here, even though he's pretending to be sick. Yes. Oh, boy. It's spring cleaning at the castle. This is a very 80s standard bog fair fucking goddamned plot. It's spring cleaning day at the castle. And of course, who else are you going to get to scrub the floors and do other sorts of chores? Yes, the hero guarding the Triforce. Yeah, this is where it's revealed that there are very few people in the castle and next to no servants. Because the people doing the cleaning that we see in this episode are Link, Sprite, and Zelda. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Who lives in this big-ass castle except for four people? Seven later. It's really It's a very little kingdom. It's the very definition of a little (laughs) kingdom, yeah. But it's an awful. Actually, Zelda and Link are just squatters. And then uh-huh. They're pretending to be a kingdom. Oh, we're going to get into Link and Zelda pretending about shit a little later. Believe you me. Yeah, no, Link and Zelda are just some teens who ran away from home and they decided to live in his castle. And they found the Triforce there, I guess. Oh, then. Oh my God, you haven't met King Harkinian. No, I haven't met the king. Okay. Uh, have you ever read any Kate Beaton comics? I've yes, I have read Kate Bean comics. Do you know the one where she illustrates different versions of Doctor Watson of the Sherlock Holmes stories? Uh huh. You know the bumbling one who is like, "Ooh, jam." Mm-hmm. That's, That's King Harkinian. Except okay. He, except he's also really weird in the way that he relates to both Link and Zelda, in ways that we'll get into a little bit later. Tell me about episode two cold spells so they're they're doing the spring cleaning and link being the conan of samaria type doesn't want to do spring cleaning and being an 80s boys cartoon protagonist he does what anyone would do pretend to be sick he does the whole ah i'm not feeling very good at you thing why is link such a piece of shit (laughs) he's a he's a knight hero whatever like what business does anybody have asking him to, you know, clear out the manure? But Crystal's not wrong in that he's a piece of shit. Though. Yeah. 
I mean, he's a huge piece of shit. If Zelda's willing to clean, what by what rights would he not be doing it too? Zelda can do what Zelda wants. He doesn't. He he lives in her house. Yeah, to protect the tribe. That's a job. Uh-huh. Like it, he can get his own fucking house. In fact, he doesn't even like living there. He can leave whenever he wants if he doesn't want to clean. But does he do that? No. He pretends to be sick to get out of cleaning and stay in his big ass feather bed. Well, see. Sprite has magic, and she can actually just magic Fantasia the the mops. And she does. And she does. So I don't really know why everybody else has to clean. Well, Sprite's magic is somewhat limited. Now, because Link is sick, Sprite gets worried about it, and she goes down to the market, which is in the courtyard of the castle, and she meets an old lady. And she's like, hey, old lady, do you got some oranges there? And the old lady's like, yes, my dear, I do have some oranges that will definitely cure what ails you. Now, you might be thinking this old lady might be Ganon in disguise or something. You're overthinking it. You're giving the show too much credit. Because Ganon's off in the corner, and as the orange is being passed to Sprite, he zaps, not the orange, but Sprite. (laughs) And Sprite feels this surge of magical energy, because... Ganon did not do any violent thing or curse her or poison the orange or anything like that. What he did was supercharge Sprite so that when she tries to use her magic, shit goes haywire. And then it's literally Fantasia. And then it goes all Sorcerer's Apprentice on us, yes. And the entire rest of it is about, God, they end up running down. So everything goes berserk. And in the midst of all this, Ganon steals the Triforce of Wisdom, I think. Uh Uh-huh. And then he retreats back to the underworld and nearly makes it. And Link and Zelda give chase to him. Is Zelda captured during all of this? No. Okay, so Link and Zelda give chase to him. And Zelda's like, I thought you were sick. And Link's like, I got better. And they just go after it. And Sprite follows at a discreet distance that's discreet enough that not only does Link and Zelda not see her, but we also mostly don't see her, the viewers. And Link and Zelda are having the big confrontation with Ganon, and it's not going very well. Goma shows up. Goma fucking shows up. You tell the next bit. Uh, nothing else really calls. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. You fucking hate action sequences. You don't even remember anything that goes on in them. I suppose they beat it. And Goma's like, bah! and Zelda's like, ah! and Link's like, ah, I can't do it quite right. And Sprite's up there like, oh, maybe my magic will do something. And she points her finger and she looks away because she's never used her magic as a weapon before. And when she fires the magic blast, it's like she's getting the kick off of an enormous cannon attached to her arm and it like splats her against the ceiling. And it hits I like how Link's sword is animated like a gun where it has recoil. That comes up later. Yes. It yeah. comes up in what is actually the best. Uh, the one episode of this show that I might call genuinely good or at least genuinely entertaining. So, Ganon has both the Triforces. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He doesn't do anything with them. No. Why would he? He doesn't end up ruling both kingdoms forever. He doesn't, like, combine them or whatever it is he was aiming to do. I, at this point, it had not been established as, certainly not as the engine of creation. I don't think they even had established that it granted wishes. It just bestowed some sort of vague power. It was the right of kings personified. But we don't even see that. No. Gathering the tri- Triforces, as told in the intro, is supposed to be a momentous event. Yeah. But nothing happens. Well, it's because they only have 15 minutes and they want to reset the status quo. Okay. So, Ganon is incapacitated. They grab the Triforce of Wisdom and... And Zelda goes, 
Listen, we've got to grab the Triforce of Power now. If we do it now, the threat of Ganon will be finished forever. And she is literally a foot away from the fucking thing, reaching for it. And Link says, there's no time! And he grabs her and runs. And she's like, you can't be fucking serious as they run out together, leaving the Triforce of Power behind as things, like, shake really hard. So, Ganon's not even hard to kill, really. No, you the only have to is that he just he'll keep coming back out of the evil jar. Yeah, you basically only have to zap him three times, and that's enough to take him out of an encounter. Why don't they just smash the evil jar? What a funny question you ask, Crystal. What a mm-hmm. funny question that is actually addressed in this show. Believe it okay. or not, the question well, isn't answered. Just an fucking ant? arrest Ganon. Like put him in a prison. Yeah, don't Yeah, kill here's him. the funny thing about Ganon that isn't introduced in the first couple of episodes. He can teleport anywhere he wants all the time with no limits. No, in the first episode he says he can only teleport in the underworld. He's lying his ass off. Okay. That's why he needs the it's skeleton. It's mostly consistent. It is not mostly consistent. What about that bit where he turned into evil wind? Uh Yeah. That wasn't in the underworld. It was also probably the coolest sequence in the entire thing. Why is Zelda struggling to reach the Strifehorse? She's like, oh, I don't, oh, I can't, oh, oh, it's hard. It's hard, you guys. And Link's like, we we gotta go now. And Zelda's like, no, the, we can't. And Z- Link's like, we gotta keep the show going for another 11 episodes. And out they go. Her cell is, like, twitching, and her arm is animated like she's stuck between two rocks or something. But no, she's just standing there. She can very easily reach forward. Uh-huh. Maybe they changed it. I don't know. Did Someone forgot to draw the rocks. They finished the the Zelda cell, but not the rocks. Did um did Link actually ask Zelda to kiss him at all in this episode? Yes, I'm pretty sure he did. She, he must have, right? But it was. <laughs> it's not notable enough to write down. Well, anyway, they go back, and uh, now Link and Sprite both try to fake a cold, and Zelda's like, "No, you both have to clean," and the. The episode ends with them cleaning Womp Womp. And that ends the second of the very good episodes. Of the fucking... We don't have to go that thoroughly into each one of these. Yeah, but sometimes it's worth going into. Sometimes. How about this next one? This next one that does things that you would assume are going to be a thing, but again, you're overestimating the goddamn show. A Crusader Lightning. from Christendom comes to the land of Hyrule. Basically... Yeah. Crystal, I, I don't want you to read. I don't want you to read the summary for this. I want to try and give it to you as best I can. Okay. So, Link and Zelda are sort of uh, running around somewhere, and they don't have their weapons for some goddamn reason. I think that they're going out to have, like, a picnic or something. And a bunch of what are basically dark nuts show up, though in this show they're called Ten Suits. And they go in on the attack. Now, Link's very uh, capable as a hero in spite of the fact that he's an enormous shit who's not good for anything. So he manages to fight them off, sort of. In this scene, he actually literally reflects a beam, I think. Is this the one where they introduce the whole idea of him reflecting beams? Yes, first of the series. That's right. He takes... He has this big fight with them in the village and ends up putting some of them through walls and gets, like... thrown really hard by one of them he takes one's club and when a blast of magic is thrown at him he hits it back as if he were playing tennis and zaps the one that attacked him which means yes they did this before aganim did it 
Da, da, da. Fuck's sake. And Zelda is running away because she doesn't have any weapons either. And Link is nearly defeated by the last set of ten suits who throw him down a hill and into like a pigsty or something. And Zelda's running away and she screams a lot in this fucking episode. Like, I think maybe they only recorded one scream and played it a whole bunch of times because she would have easily blown her voice out over the course of this series. And as she's running away, this knight from Christendom shows up and it's this prince guy who's got this nice white horse and this really good-looking white tunic and pantsuit and shit and his cool cape. And his name is... His name is Prince Facade. Okay. (laughs) Now... I mean, yeah, kids wouldn't know that word. Let me put to you for just a second, knowing what we've told you now, what do you think Prince Facade's deal is? Uh, I think he's a bad guy. Maybe he's Ganon in disguise. I see. That's a very good guess. But it means you're giving the show too much credit again, Crystal. Okay. Because after the... Prince Facade dispatches of the last of the ten suits with his cool sword and establishes that he doesn't really want to shake Link's hand because Link's covered in pig shit. And then rides back to Hyrule Castle with Zelda on his horse and he's like, listen, uh, my horse can't carry three people. I'm sure you'll be fine. And Zelda's like, I'm sure you'll be fine Link because Zelda really wants this guy super fucking bad. And um, so they go back to it and then smash cut to the fucking underworld where Ganon is watching all of this through, like, an evil watching portal. And he's like, yes, Prince Facade. I know him, a most annoying adventurer indeed. But I also know his weakness. He's very vain and won't do anything if it will get him dirty. He shouldn't wear white, then. (laughs) Yeah, it tells you how hard he works to be clean that he runs around in this white fucking tunic all the time. Especially after Labor Day. Yeah, all right. I thought the Labor Day thing was rescinded by the Fashion Council. Can't wear white in the winter. Not with that attitude. (laughs) Ganon does call Prince Facade sickeningly handsome. Yes, he does. But we establish right here that Prince Facade is not evil. He's just kind of a prick, I guess. And he's not even really so much of a prick. He's just kind of useless. He's just kind of vain. And then we cut to this inner shot of the castle where Prince Facade and Zelda are having a conversation and Prince Facade is retelling the story of how he personally defeated Ganon and saved an entire village. I mean, Ganon's not too hard to beat. Well, that's one of the interesting things about this is that Prince Facade doesn't seem to have magic weapons. Oh, wait, does he? No, he has the crossbow. That's right. Because it lets him keep his hands clean. Right, he can destroy Ganon with the power of our savior, Jesus Christ. Well... And, you know, you know what? I'm not going to make the joke I was about to make. That would be in bad taste for the Book of Medora podcast. Um, anyway, they get into this There's whole... a lovely embarrassing dinner sequence. Where... Uh, King Harkinian is in this scene somewhere. Yes. Yeah, no, he's at dinner. Yeah, both of... And Zelda's wearing this low-cut gown. It's actually a really nice design if you're big into Dungeons & Dragons titty dresses. Like, it's a good look for her. How come they never made a uh, Hyrule Castle in the games that looks like this one? How do you mean? I don't know. It's like it's got a bunch of really tall towers and like towers jetting out the sides of those towers. It's like the one part of the show that actually looks creative. Uh, There are a few background landscape shots that are very nice. Yes, they do have some really nice background paintings, but... 
Crystal, that is bog standard horseshit fantasy castle design circa 1974 to 1989. Well, okay, I was an egg during those years. <laughs> Granted. Yeah, no, they do draw Zelda's cleavage. They okay. You just got to that part, listeners. As we're doing this, I imagine that Crystal is looking at scenes from a given episode on YouTube, skipping around so that she can keep up with the conversation. No, I'm just letting it play. Oh, are we that? Are we that slow? Yeah. Jesus. Hold That's on. Why I say we can, you know. Oh God, we're 53 minutes into this fucking thing. Okay, we got to go a little bit faster, I guess. That's what I said. Okay, so. And then uh, there's this long sequence where Link is like, I'm going to get all fancy and do the real fancy thing. And he puts on this ridiculous looking outfit that is like real foppish and sort of three musketeers. And Sprite's like, you really don't want to do this. And Link's like, oh, yeah, I do. And he barges in on the dinner thing. And he's like, hey, everybody, I'm real fancy. And everybody laughs at him. It's like a 45-second sequence that's just everybody laughing. And they don't even show Link's reaction to their laughing. It's just that at the end of that 45 seconds, which is, again, nothing but laughing, you see Link has left his fancy clothes on the floor. And he's back in his room in the next scene. And he's tearing his fancy shit off. And he was just wearing his regular clothes underneath his fancy clothes. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't need this this shit and if zelda's so enamored of her new hero that motherfucker can protect the triforce and he's out i like the part in the beginning of the episode where link just watches uh like a a blacksmith zap make a fire using his magic to help do blacksmithing yep and link says i've never seen a place so full of magic as hyrule which establishes two interesting things one link is definitely a foreigner Mm -hmm. yep Two, yeah, everyone in Hyrule knows a little magic. I, I I like that. Yeah, it's a neat little touch with the setting, isn't it? It's not really in the games. No, it's not. But, you know, it's one of the neat little touches that the show has to try to flesh out what makes Hyrule special. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of that way in the Elder Scrolls, too, where, yeah, everyone knows a couple of spells much in the same way as you can expect people to know basic mathematics, and wizards are just people who have, like, PhDs in mathematics. That does sound very similar to what's going on here in the... Uh, yeah. Alright. We, we get to see a naked Link. You skipped over that part. Oh, did we? Yeah. When he did was we, bathing. When he, he was bathing before he got the fancy clothes, right? Yeah, and Sprite comes in and like, let me see that dick. She's like, I really want this dick that... If you get excited, it will be twice as long as I am tall. And Link is like, I don't know why you're like this. Would you stop it? And she's like, no, because the law of comedic averages says that I have to do to you like you do to Zelda. Right. Link is annoyed when Sprite treats him like he treats Zelda. Yes. It's a very particular uh, sexual calculus that the show is playing with. So after Link leaves... Uh, Zelda gets kidnapped? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Not like, just with the Triforce or anything. Just no, her. it's just her. And it's a bunch of moblins who show up, and there's like, no, it's a Zora. A fucking Zora shows up. Yes. And grabs Zelda and runs, and Prince Facade naturally gives chase, and Link hears all the goings-on from his ways down the road, and he's like, oh, all right, I guess I'll go help. And he rides off. And Facade gives chase, and he defeats all the Moblins, but the Zora manages to get to the swamps with Zelda. And Facade kind of stands on the edge of the swamps, 
And Zelda's like, would you help me already? And Facade's like, I would, but, like, there's mud. And she's like, you can't be serious. And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm sure you'll be fine, which is close to what he says verbatim. And she's like, really? Now? You're just going to let? And he's like, yeah, you know, I really wish you all the best. And then Link does his manly, dirty thing, which establishes his righteous masculinity by diving into the mud and kicking the shit out of the Zora and Zola. Zola and rescuing Zelda. And Zelda's like, ugh. And Link's like, hey, I saved your life. Kiss me. And she's like, no. You're now, all Link money. does make sure to declare that Zelda's not actually worth saving. But he'll okay. do it anyway. Oh, okay. Well, he's very mad at her for laughing at him for a minute straight. Did you watch that laughing sequence? I didn't. It's pretty extended. Why don't you go back and look at that real quick? Okay, let me let me see. There's Lincoln. They should put this outfit as a bonus outfit. They should. No. Actually. No? Okay. Hold on, hold on. Because our listeners will assume that I'm badly exaggerating how much they laugh at Link. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to turn on the sounds from when Link comes in. Oh no. Telling lies, eh? Mind if I join you? Link, what are you wearing? Oh, this old thing had it for years. That was a good 15 seconds, Cameron. Yeah, all right. Well, okay. In in a show where an episode lasts 15 minutes, 15 seconds of nothing but laughter is pretty fucking long. What happened to the Zora? I got zapped by the sword and got sent to the evil jar. No, I mean, how did this... We're going to operate on this show being the canonical interquel. Of course. Of Zelda 1 and Zelda 2. Sure. Why not? There's no reason not to. Uh, we can do that for right now. We'll pretend, Monica. Okay. They meant for the show to come between those two things. Now, the way the Zora is drawn here uh, is is like humanoid. Which is in keeping with the way that Zoras are depicted in Adventure of Link. Yes. So but what's like, your question? How did, how did the noble Zora become reduced to this? Okay, you're asking for a very different sort of engagement with the lore of this episode or this show in general than I'm willing to give. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay. I mean, at this point, it was understood that Zoras were monsters. The, the, like, the, the Ocarina of Time was a subversion of all of our expectations. Yes. Actually, Link to the Past had the Zora King, right? Yeah, but all the Zoras outside of him would still attack you on sight. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Link goes, hey, kiss me. And she's like, no, you're all muddy. And he's like, so are you. And she's like, it doesn't matter. No. And Prince Facade gets covered in mud. Uh, Prince Facade is like, oh, I'm so glad you made it and such. Like, oh, it's good. And is it Link or Zelda who throws his ass in? I'd like to say Zelda. I don't know. Did he just trip? Maybe. Anyway, he falls in while they leave. And then he kind of looks at the camera and just gives that comedic, like, oh, well, shrug, even though he's experiencing the thing that his whole character is bent around 
built around him being terrified by. So he's he's handling it pretty well as he's having a breakdown. And that's the end of the fucking uh, You know episode. how it is. I, I, I guess. And that's a whole episode. That, the Prince Facade. Episode yeah. four. Episode four is Kiss, Kiss and, and tell. tell. And this one's a little bit different. Um, okay, we're not going to get into the big ones of this one. But it's another episode where Link and Zelda are out doing nothing in particular. I think they're going to have a picnic or something. And nobody steals the Triforce. Nobody is guarding the Triforce of Wisdom during these sequences. I want to be really clear about that. Nobody. And as they're out, there, there's this... Something rises up out of the ground. I think it's like a staircase or some shit. An, an opening to the underworld appears and monsters come out of it. And Link fights off the monsters. Except for this one... No. No, you forget. Shit, I am forgetting. Let okay, it's it. got it's got Gleok, doesn't it? Yes. That's it. Okay, yeah, you tell First it. First it starts off with Zelda who is riding off. Yeah, it's just Zelda. And she manages to fight off a Gleok using nothing but like apples. Yes. Um the Gleok is harassing a maiden, and after she saves the maiden, the maiden is very disappointed because she wanted to be saved by a hero. The maiden and the Gleok are stage whispering to each other about how this isn't exactly according to plan, but they're going to try to ad-lib their way through it. They're, they're making a good show. Yeah. Um, Where's the fan fiction about these two? <laughs> I guarantee you it's out there somewhere. Probably out there, yeah. Does oh, this woman have a name? Oh, yeah, she does, and you're about to find out. Yes, actually. Okay. And... And she's like, Link no. shows up. Yeah, I need a hero. And Link shows up like, I'm a hero. What's up? And she's like, oh, the hero. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll accept that. And he, she's like, you know what a hero needs? A big kiss. And he's like, yeah. And then it turns out that the lady's a Gibdo. And she puts the mummy's curse on him. Literally. Yeah, very literally. And the mummy's curse turns him into a frog. Yeah, for the first time in the series, Link turns into an animal. Yeah, this is also a first. And because he's a frog, he can't hero. Yeah, he can't hero. His his limbs don't work right. And he's having a really, like, severe breakdown about this because I think Zelda actually manages to defeat the Gibdo, but he's, like, really, really fucking distraught over the fact that he's a frog. His life is ruined, and he's crying about it. And it's, like, the most... It's the most weirdly emotionally vulnerable that any children's boy-coded cartoon hero has been up to this point in my experience because he's just that upset. Oh yeah, they really animate Link's ears here. <laughs> they do. Like he's to be really... clear, he is not an actual frog. He is a frog man. He's a frog man. He's a frogman. Yeah. He keeps on eating flies compulsively. He can't help it. Yeah, this is like a nice moment where Link is having a breakdown and Zelda comforts him. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> and uh, after that. Zelda's like, and okay. And just fucking, like, <laughs> pops his head out from the side of a tree. Yeah. He's like, haha, you're, you're a frog. And Zelda's like, Ganon, leave him alone. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. And Ganon's like, now no one can stop me. And Zelda's like, you know what? I uh, Well, maybe he can't, but I'll give it a shot. But she gets kidnapped. Yeah, she gets super kidnapped. And Link's like, how am I going to help her now that I'm a frog? Oh, nothing works right. I got to get back to the castle for no apparent reason. I have a note here that Zelda ends up tied to a spike, which is right beside an evil-looking bed, which is at least a five on the fucky scale. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, what if Ganondorf was treated like this in one of his Zelda games? How do you mean? Like he's just like this evil prankster? Yeah, where he's like, 
like petty More of cruelty. a nuisance than anything. <laughs> he's just like, like he, a schoolyard bully. Like he's a star screen. Yeah. At this point, he's completely turned his attention to marrying or seducing Zelda in some way. Yeah. To he, get control of the kingdom. Yeah, he, he does still want the Triforce of Wisdom, but in most episodes from here on out, he seems to think that trying to get Zelda is a more efficient use of his time. Even though that doesn't make any sense. Like, all the effort he put into this whole curse thing, the Gibdo could have just taken the Triforce of Wisdom and brought it back to him. Oh, there's this lovely line that Zelda has. Uh-huh. Link will save me. It's his job. That is a good line. Monica thought that line was extremely funny when we watched the episode. That's a good explanation or a yeah. good faith in Yeah, it's like she, she has no faith in him personally, but she trusts him as a good employee. Um... Nothing much to detail here. Link adventures in with Sprite as a frog. To he meet eats a few the, more frogs. To, to meet the witch of the wall. Sprite's really nervous around him at this point because she is small and winged and she's afraid that he's going to eat her. Which, you know, reasonable. He can't control his eating habits at this point. Mm-hmm. And he ventures to find the witch of the wall, which he's been told to seek out by the Triforce of Wisdom. And the way for him to find the witch of the wall is to go to a wall that has no end. Now, you may be thinking, a wall that has no end is probably circular. You are giving the show too much credit. He goes to a long wall, and he's like, this is a long enough wall. The only long wall I know of in all of Hyrule. But it definitely has an end. And Sprite's like, no, it doesn't. If you look here, you can see that the top of the wall goes down into the ground. So it doesn't have an end. And Link's like, gee, you're right. That must mean the Witch of the Wall is around here somewhere. And then some of the cobbles on the wall step out of the wall, and they're the witch. And it's actually kind of horrifying and feels a little bit like the never-ending story. Oh, yeah. It does. 80s. Yeah. And the Witch of the Wall is like, well... This should, and Sprite runs off for some reason. I think she gets more freaked out because she's afraid that Link is going to eat her. And the Witch of the Wall has this private conversation with Link where she's like, Okay, let me get a good look at you. Yeah, Ganon's not very creative, but he has a real good grasp of the classics. The only way to break this curse is to get kissed by a princess. And Link's like, Believe me, lady, I've been trying. And she's like, I don't want to hear about it. I'm going back into my wall now. And then she turns back into a wall. This is a fun character. <laughs> yeah, she's really good, actually. It's a fun imagining. Yeah, like, there's some elements of this show that I really appreciate, and the Witch of Walls is one of Wait, them. Wait, she's an old woman. Shit! Yeah, it does have an old lady. The Witch of the Wall! And then Link and Sprite run off to do some adventuring, to go down into the underworld to try to rescue Zelda, and it doesn't go great, and... At one point, he gets the drop on Ganon somehow. Does he, like, drop a bomb on them or something? Or does he just, like, hop in there while Ganon is out doing something else? I'm not sure. He cuts Zelda free, and he's like, okay, listen, uh, the only way to break this spell is for me to be kissed by a princess. So I really, genuinely, 100%, definitely, not in a weird, creepy way, need you to kiss me. And she's like, oh... Well, actually, you know what? That's pretty reasonable, so I'll do it. And she leans in to kiss him, and then Ganon shows up, and he's like, Which is almost verbatim what he does. Yeah, and then Link gets blasted. He gets super blasted by Ganon for the second time in Ganon's schoolyard bully Starscream tactics. And he's blasted across the room, and Sprite's like, Is a kiss from a princess really all it takes? And Link's like, And Sprite's like, Okay, here we go. And that turns Link back into a human. And he's like, Well, I don't quite get it, but here we go. And he kicks Ganon's ass and rescues Zelda, and, he's, and they manage to get out together. 
And Ganon's like, no! And they get out with Sprite, and they're out on top, and Link's like, okay, I don't really get it, because, like, I thought that I was supposed to be kissed by a princess to make this work. And Sprite's like, oh, I am a princess. My father is the king of the fairies. Right, he he is King Oberon from A Midsummer Night's Dream. You know, Crystal, you're making a joke, but it's later revealed his name is actually Oberon. No, yes, that is what I was referencing. (laughs) Oh, how do you know that? Well, because I click through to the wiki. God damn it, you're cheating! How am I supposed to tell you about this Legend of Zelda cartoon if you're cheating the whole time? I'm not... What? That's double (laughs) cheating. That's like... That's like reading through Homestuck while somebody's trying to tell you about Homestuck. So this is like this is like an actual episode with this is like a solid little episode. Yeah, it has it prob- stakes. Yeah, it probably has the best like whole thing. Like it has the best plot, the overarching thing so far. In some ways, it makes the best whole package. It ends with Link saying that since he saved her and went through all that bullshit for her, she should kiss him, and she's like, "Oh yeah, okay, that." Still makes sense. I did say I would do it. And then a fly buzzes past his head, and he just snatches it out of the air with his hand and immediately eats it. And he really relishes it for a second before realizing what he was doing. And that's how Kisses they- are off the table. Kisses are off the table. Sing for the unicorn. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh, is this, I, I can already see that this is going to be a bad episode. Why do you say Since that? it does begin with Harkinian- Catching Link trying to break into Zelda's room. Yeah, it does. See, Link, um, is this the one where he's sleep? No, this is the one where he's awake doing this shit. The sleepwalking thing comes and, later. And the king offers him some He's like, no, advice. no, no, my boy. You can't just go into a lady's room seeking a kiss. You'll need flowers. And he hands, her fl- he hands Link flowers. And Link's like, huh, all right, I guess. And then Link goes across to Zelda's room and he sort of crashes in. And he, like, makes a big comedic flop of it and does, like, the corpse pose from Looney Tunes cartoons with the flowers on his chest. And Zelda's like, oh, my God, Link, why would you... Are those flowers? For me? Oh, that's so sweet of you. And Link literally says, like, wait, that worked? (laughs) And she says, I know exactly what you need, a kiss. And this is where I need to sit down with you for a second, Crystal, and talk about the way that this show treats these two characters. Because this is the beginning of it, but it gets more extreme as the episodes go along. Okay. There's two ways to read the relationship between these two. And that is what's actually happening versus the only way that I can interpret this show without throwing up. What's actually... What's actually happening is that Link is sexually harassing Zelda, but is being treated as a game of cat and mouse where Zelda likes being pursued. And even though she rejects him over and over, it's just for the sake of egging him on in his pursuit. The way that I'm choosing to read this, they're fucking. (laughs) Okay, so this, this is all just like a fun little game. This is just a fun game that they play out. And they are, like, really irresponsible kinksters who don't particularly care if people around them end up involved in their role-playing. That's so awkward. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of makes it a little weird how King Harkinian gets involved. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? like, yeah, go fuck my daughter. But is King Harkinian being involved in the actual text of the show less weird? No. No? So do you prefer to read it as it's presented in the show or in the equally textually supported but somewhat more palatable these two idiot kids don't really know how to keep it in their pants? Now, this does cause a conflict with the canonical sequel to the show, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. What's the, what's the conflict? Is Link in the date both Zelda and Zelda? 
you think that just because he gets a kiss, he's necessarily dating the other girl? You think this 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 oily motherfucker wouldn't do his cheating? You okay. think you think that he's necessarily limited to this one relationship? No. Oh, okay. But what I'm saying is they're fucking, and this is what they do. And I try to figure out later on if Ganon is involved in it in some <laughs> way, like if they've got a, a menage a trois going. I'm not sure about it, but it's possible. But the only way for me to read this show without tearing my hair out is that this is just how they do their foreplay. Right. This is this is why there's no real guards and why the Triforces don't really do anything. It's just that this little active uh, LARP that these three have going. Yeah. Harkonnen's no not even really, really Zelda's hurt. dad. It's all good. He's just an older man that Zelda calls daddy. <laughs> I'm not wrong. She does call him daddy. Let's get back to the episode. I don't know. I think that this might be the most interesting part of the entire show. Are are you sure? No. But the magical ninja person has Okay, yeah. Uh, Crystal, how much do you know about this episode? Uh, Not a damn thing. Okay, great. Okay. So Link shows up. uh, Sorry. Link and Zelda are about to do their kiss when King Harkinian screams from the other tower. And they look up, and Ganon is flying in on a flying unicorn. An alicorn. Monica, what's an alicorn? An alicorn is a unicorn with wings. Like a pegasus? Yes. Can pegasus have horns? Then they would be alicorns. Oh, okay. Anyway, so uh, Ganon flies in on what is called a unicorn in the show, because they hadn't invented alicorns yet, and I guess Ganon's doing some kind of special experimentation. And he snatches the king and flies off with the intent to hold the king ransom in exchange for the Triforce of Wisdom. And Zelda calls Harkinian daddy like 30 times in this. They really want you to know that's how she refers to her father nonstop. Never my father, always daddy. And, okay, so they mount a rescue mission and they go down into the underworld. You sound like you're about to say something, Crystal. No, I just I did see the mystical ninja Goemon. <laughs> yeah, all, yeah. This is actually an interesting bit here. Oh, at one point, Link, I think he's flying through the sky. He actually does the Skyward Sword. Oh, right, yes. He does pose. do the Skyward Sword sci- skydiving, where he like controls the trajectory of his fall. A first for the series. Oh yeah, because he manages to like leap across. Link in this show is extremely acrobatic in ways that are absurd. Like he can jump. 30 feet straight up and if there's a flagpole for him to bounce off of watch the fuck out because he can reach you and he holds on to the unicorn's tail and doesn't get kicked in the face but anyway he gets zapped off and Arkinian tells Ganon like three times in escalating ways that he's being rude and as Link is falling to his death he grabs onto a couple of aches and they manage to not get destroyed and then they are destroyed and um, Link invents Assassin's Creed or Zelda invents Assassin's Creed because as he's falling the last bit, she wheels a wheelbarrow full of hay directly beneath him and he falls in the hay and he's fine. Oh. Yeah. That is like Assassin's Creed. It is very much like old school Assassin's Creed. I don't know if the newer ones still do that. Yeah, every one of them does that. Still with hay? Always with hay? Yeah. Well, sometimes with like flowers. Well, that's even less believable than hay. <laughs> But, it's a lot well, of Well, you see, the hay is just is just like an abstraction of the animus. It's not necessarily a bale of hay. All right. So it's the impact gel that... Alla- anyway, Link survives by falling into some hay and inventing Assassin's Creed. And they were like, oh, we got to go after him. So they, they run off into the underworld. 
Where they meet a ninja. They meet a fucking ninja. And we establish something very important here. One, the magic that Link uses to zap monsters doesn't actually work on humans. Link zaps the ninja in the chest and they flinch, but it doesn't seem to have actually hurt them. And Link's like, wait a second, that's not a monster, that's a human like us. And they initially think the ninja's a guy. Yes, even though this ninja... Okay, we'll get into it a little bit more. They initially think that the ninja's a guy because they're fighting. And boys fight. Boys fight. That's what boys do, even though Zelda's also fighting. And they manage to get the ninja restrained. I think Zelda, like, gets them in a headlock from behind or some shit. And Link takes the mask off. You all right over there, Crystal? Uh Uh-huh. I'm leaving the yawn in. Um, (laughs) I'm not leaving in the second one, though. Um... Oh, God damn it! you're going to make me do it. Oh, no, Monica did it. <laughs> God damn it. I'm sorry for fucking starting this, okay? I apologize. I did, I did not mean to... What's the word? I did not mean to provoke you. So this man- show establishes a lot of other countries in this world besides Hyrule. Uh-huh, including... Uh, what kind of name is Singh? Is it Korean? Uh-huh. Okay, so they managed to get the ninja's mask off, and it's a raven-haired lady who is very much Asian-coded, and she speaks in a ridiculously high voice nonsense language. I think it's a nonsense language. I wasn't listening that hard. It's very awkward. It's like the kind of nonsense language you would speak if you were a deeply racist cartoon producer making fun of Asian people. Hmm. It's It's very troubling. And Zelda's like, hold on a minute, you idiot link i know how to speak this language and then she has this off-camera conversation with link or no with this ninja while we get a scene of ganon talking about how great the unicorn is and how doomed hyrule is and we cut back and zelda's like okay her name is sing she's from a faraway land and she says that ganon stole her unicorn and link's like well that solves all of our problems then they all go and they get the unicorn back from ganon and they kick the shit out of him and they Save the king. They save the king. It doesn't matter. Fucking doesn't matter. And that's the episode. That's actually the entire episode. Singh has a locket with a photograph in it. Uh huh. What's in the locket? There's a photograph of the unicorn. <laughs> oh, that's good proof that it's her unicorn, at least. Uh, yeah. Who else so would have a locket photo the of the box exists in this world? The first appearance of it. Hmm. The first appearance. I was also going to say like magical ninja people oh my god she's kind of the first sheikah isn't she yeah but like way more racist yeah okay so the sheik the sheikah have absconded from hyrule and created their own country magical unicorn land and then eventually they are reabsorbed into hyrule for breath of the wild but they have since developed their own actual culture I'm not going to accept this cartoon as part of the canon. No. mm. I'm not even going to pretend. Oh, I can't fucking wait for the CDI episodes. Oh, no. Those are really going to be something. Have we decided how we're going to handle those episodes, by the way? What do you mean? Are we going to try to play them? Because apparently emulating the CDI is nightmarish, bordering on impossible. Oh, no. I'm not going to play them. Okay, so are we just going to, like, watch uh, uh, a no-commentary Let's Play of them? 
Right, we're going to discuss the lore and the fiction. Right, okay. I guess I could... Uh, no, I'm not going to bother trying to set up... You know how much a CDI goes for on the eBay? How much? It's like 800 goddamn dollars. That's a lot of dollars. Yeah, I looked it up just in case it would be like even halfway feasible for me to try to purchase one to play through it. It's not. It's Why not even, would you play that? <laughs> for the experience and to say that I did it and for this podcast, which I enjoy doing. That sinking feeling. Episode 6, That Sinking Feeling, in which we learn that Ganon and his minions have control of some kind of magic um, magnet that can grab hold of anything from the overworld and drag it down to the underworld. And one of Ganon's minions tries to use it on Link and or Zelda, but misses and ends up pulling a Cupid statue down, which is where the Cupid statue is in the middle of this nice gazebo where link and zelda are doing their whole will they won't they role play thing where it's really clear that they're about to get their bone down once things get going but then ganon interrupts and link's like this happens every time and he doesn't mean literally every time but it happens literally every time that we the viewer can see and then a bunch of tachytites uh jump themselves out of the opening of the underworld and Zelda gets mummified, and they start dragging her down into the depths. And Link has to fight them off. And uh, that's pretty much most of the sequence. There's not much to talk about. The castle gets magneted down. Uh-huh. The king oh, is in the castle. that's why it's that sinking feeling. Yes. Yeah, it's it, it, like, they... They go from, it can grab anything in the overworld, but they establish it by grabbing a statue. So you're like, oh, it can grab anything within a certain size. No, they mean anything. Um, the Triforce is not inside. Zelda has it. Zelda took floating. it floating. Zelda took it with them on the picnic, which yeah. is like, yeah, okay, that's a better idea than leaving it undefended. It's floating like a little balloon beside her. Yeah, she's got oh. it on this little chain. She uses it in this episode to summon a flight of stairs. She uses magic in this episode, which is the first instance of Zelda being a magical character who can do sorceress things. Stuff happens. Nothing of consequence. No, they go down and there's like this tension where uh, King Harkinian and Sprite are getting chased around Hyrule Castle by Ganon because he wants the Triforce and it's not there. And then Link and Zelda show up and they sort of fight. And Zelda tries to do battle with Ganon using the Triforce of Wisdom. And he's like, wow, that's a really smart idea. I'm still way fucking stronger than you are. And he turns the full force of his magic on her. And she's like, ah! And... The magnets reverse at some point. Yeah, the magnet, like, gets reversed and starts throwing the castle back up. And that distracts Ganon enough for Link to zap him. They don't have enough time to grab the Triforce of Power. No, they don't. Even though Zelda is, like, right there. And Ganon has literally been zapped back to the evil jar. And I think in this sequence, everything is actually collapsing. And they remembered to animate the rocks in this one. Right, they didn't just drag the rock cells down. Yeah. Link demands a kiss as a reward. Uh Uh-huh. And the king smooches him. Yes. And it's not played off as like, ah, gay thing. Link's just like, you know that's not what I meant, right? Laugh track. 80s. 80s. Uh, The only notable thing about this episode is the idea of the overworld magnet. And this being one of those episodes that undoubtedly awakened something in a lot of the kids watching it when zelda gets tied up it is very we're halfway through this series now (laughs) thank fucking god number seven is an an actually pretty good episode i don't know it's it's a 
Okay, I see what you mean. It's a completely different breed of fucky kind of episode. <laughs> it's high on the fucky scale. It sure but it's is. it's fun. Yeah. I liked it as a kid. Yeah, I can... Yeah. So, um... I can start. Okay, you tell this one. I'm sorry. Um, Link manages to get a blue ring at some point through some inconsequential fight, and he makes a remark. It's just what he wanted for Christmas. Uh-huh. So Christmas is a real thing in the land of Hyrule in this cartoon. Ganon right. Advises- <laughs> Further giving evidence to Link being a worshiper of Christ. Oh, I don't know. It could be a very, uh, what do you call it? Oh, God, the word is escaping me because I'm very tired. Uh, what's the word for when you celebrate a religious holiday in a distinctly non-religious way? Okay, let me let me clarify. Christmas exists, which means Christ exists in the Legend of Zelda. Probably. There's a crucifix cross, um, shield in this one. Yeah. Like the like the game. Yep. Um, there is an evil mirror that they zap into place, Who's which they? is the first of the <laughs> Ganon. Okay. The first evil mirror in this series. Oh, it is the first evil mirror. Um, it's zapped into Zelda's room. Zelda thinks it's a gift. She uh, looks in the mirror, and at some point, an evil reflection <laughs> pops up and out, and it's Zelda in black. That's how you know she's evil. Yeah, she's how in black. How did Ganon get a hold of the dark mirror slash the mirror of Twilight? It's a real good question. Very good question. He seems to have made it himself, but it's not connected to the Twilight Realm in this one. It seems to be connected to the fucking evil jar of all things. Um, a bunch of moblins jump out of it alongside the doppelganger Zelda. Yes, they carry Zelda through. They stuff her in a sack and carry her away. And Zelda gets turned into a damsel in distress a lot harder in the middle third of this series. Link comes over because he hears the scream. And in the course of the fight, he destroys the mirror, meaning the doppelganger cannot run through the mirror with the Triforce, which was her intent. Yes. So the plan now is to dupe Link into going into... An adventure for no reason into the underworld with, with the, the Triforce. Triforce. Not for no reason. She says they're taking the fight to Ganon and they're going to get the Triforce of Power and end this once and for all. Okay, I guess that's nice. Which is like, yeah, that's a perfectly sound, reasonable thing to do. And they're going in the dead of night because usually Ganon attacks during the day, I guess. <laughs> um, this is at the point where the doppelganger kisses Link and he's very happy and relieved. And then he says, it's a little bit colder than I expected, but still good. On the journey over on horseback, Link realizes that there's no reflection. Zelda has no reflection and therefore it's a fake Zelda. Uh, he al- Also, it needs to be mentioned that he carries the Triforce of Wisdom by hand and it's very heavy. And he asks Zelda, why don't you do that floaty thing that you did in the other episode and she's like because shut up idiot yeah and that's another part of him putting together the puzzle where it's like oh this isn't zelda what's zelda during doing during all of this she's tied up and i think ganon is trying to tickle her is coochie coo a tickling sound um uh, well coochie coo is like it's not really a tickling thing it's more of a sound of affection you would use while playing with uh someone you would be physically affectionate with like playing with their chin usually it's something you do to children okay well ganon's doing that to zelda Uh uh-huh yeah yeah what are you saying crystal what do you got i don't like it why don't you like it i don't want ganon to play coochie coo with zelda 
Ganon's idea of role-playing is very odd. Three feet away from this mysterious, ominous-looking bed. (laughs) (laughs) What? The danger's constantly around. Yeah, that framing is definitely there. And that they never, like, have Ganon say anything explicitly sexual, but that bed is always right there during these sequences. Huh. Um... Well, I mean, they're going to fuck on it. You have to remember that all three of them are in a contiguous, consenting sexual relationship in the lore of this show. Okay. Okay. Uh, Zelda manages to break loose and flees. She runs into Link and the doppelganger. Um, There's a cat fight. It's not much of a cat fight. They, they don't they like she jumps. oh no, no i'm no, sorry it, it, it starts fight. out as not much of a cat fight and then the mud wrestling starts yes <laughs> i forgot the mud wrestling also like she jumps the doppelganger from like she like does an actual izuna drop on her doppelganger from 30 feet up into a mud pit and it's fucking sick is what it is and the episode concludes in exactly the way that you would expect it to with Link cannot tell which one to shoot. <laughs> he can't tell which one to shoot because they're covered in mud, so he can't tell which one is wearing black. So of course he demands a kiss from both of them, and, and one of them is like, "Okay, sure," and they give him a kiss, and he demands a kiss from the other one, and she's like, "Fuck you," and he's like, "Well, that's my Zelda." And so he he correctly zaps the shadow clone. I think the Shadow Clone actually attacks him and Zelda takes his sword and zaps the clone. Oh, eh. Anyway, that's the episode. It's like the worst, most played out role-playing session these two have ever had. But it's also an episode. What do you make of this episode, Crystal? It's the first appearance of Hilda, future Echo Fighter. Is this the first episode with a female writer? Scroll up. Bob and Eve. Forward. Forward. Maybe. It's definitely the first episode with mud fighting in it. <laughs> well, yes. It's also the first one that's told primarily from Zelda's perspective, I think. I think so. And the whole, like, you know, will he understand that there's an evil clone of me thing, which is a little bit more on the girly side of the cartoon. I guess. Yeah. Well, they definitely, this show still has problems where the masculine coding for what the cartoon writers assume the boys like boys like comes through really hard but every once in a while you get these little flashes of shit that's a little bit more feminine coded but not by very much no what's your take on link and zelda so far in this series crystal i think i think i'm coming around to your theory (laughs) (laughs) especially with the beginning of the next episode okay why don't you tell us about the beginning of the next episode crystal so link starts sleepwalking and he sleep shoots a rope arrow <laughs> into Zelda's tower, and he sleep rope walks across the rope as Zelda just like <laughs> yeah has her has her head in her hand and is watching him. As he gets close, she throws water in his face, which would kill him. Yeah, and there's there is a frame where you can see Link's crotch, and it's all just bare down there. Oh, is that what happens? Yeah. Are you going back and forth with the comma button? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. I didn't notice that you can actually see his crotch parts. I think at one point he overturns and you see his heart boxers. Oh, yeah. He he is canonically wearing boxers underneath that nightshirt. 
but uh, Link does begin to fall to his death, except that Zelda has planned this out perfectly and swings down with a rope in one of the only good action sequences in this or any episode where she catches Link out of the air mid-swing, um, swings underneath a bridge, then over on top of it, and drops them down expertly onto the spot. And you know they must have worked out the math on that one quite a lot ahead of time and practiced it and made sure that it was going to be absolutely a sure thing that she could catch him. Now, Link is not animated as all at all as he is falling. No. Why would he be? Uh, well, I don't know. but i like the bit where zelda swings down and does the tarzan catch so at some point the triforce is split into three this is the episode where that happens oh yeah christ like this first part of the episode goes on so long that i forgot this triforce splitting thing even happens oh that's right I, I, i think it's they're going back up and moblins are in there stealing shit yeah and, and then they run off in the tussle and magically they discover that if you shoot anything into the triforce it'll come bouncing no, out like in the side. tussle the triforce gets broken yeah and then some aches grab the pieces and start to start off with it link kills one grabs one of the pieces and is going to give chase but they can fly so fuck it and zelda says listen the pieces should be magically linked together so if you send a zap into this piece then it should come out from the other two pieces. And Link's like, that doesn't make any sense, (laughs) but I'll do it. And he does. And as the Aches are flying over a big lake and a lava pit, respectively, they both get zapped by the single zap from Link's sword. And they sure do use the word zap a lot in this episode, which uh, destroys the keys and sends them back to the evil jar. And the fragments of the Triforce of Wisdom were dropped into the lake and into the lava pit. And... Ganon hears about the Triforce pieces and says, I could go get them, but I'll let Link and Zelda get them for me, which Which is is a first of the series. Ganon letting Link and Zelda do his work for him is a very much recurring theme for the character, and this was the origin of it. I also wrote down that a magic compass comes up here. Oh, yeah. There There weren't any compasses in the first game, right? Were there? I don't think there were. Were there, Crystal? I don't think so. Well, there isn't this one. So this show is actually the first canonical instance of a compass in Zelda. Well, not canonical, but you get it. No, they were in the first game. They were absent from the adventure of Link. Oh. Oh, okay. So I guess the compass must have shown you where chess... Are you sure? Yeah. Damn it. My, My memory is failing me. Oh, well. So they use the magic compass, which is aligned to the Triforce to go find the Triforce pieces, and they go down into the underworld, and they, Link has to go swimming in the lake, and he fights a fish or something, and he gets the Triforce piece. Oh, I forgot to mention that because they're linked, Zelda can tell where they're supposed to be because one side of the Triforce piece that she has is wet, and the other side is very hot. Magic. So they, so they must be in a wet place and a hot place, she says. Okay. That's the exact phrasing she uses. This is this episode is a real weird way to justify why it's called the Triforce when there's not three of them and they're not triangles. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why aren't they triangles in this show? Well, because they are actually the force gems of Nehru and Din. They misidentified looking, as triforces. They end up looking like a like a little pyramid shape in this one. Yeah. It's really weird. Halfway through the series, they change their minds about how it looks. 
but um, they they get the pieces. Ganon shows up. He throws up a wall of fire, a first for this series. Oh, it is actually a first. He uses a wall of fire to separate Link from Zelda and then goes down to fight Link. And Link, doing a really cool bit where he balances the Triforce piece on his sword, is like, I'm not going to fight you for this. Here, take it. And he tosses it to Ganon. And because it's been sitting on fire and lava the whole time, it's extremely hot. So Ganon does the whole hot potato thing where he tosses it back and forth between his hands for like five or seven seconds straight, just screaming about how hot it is. And then he drops it, and Link catches it with his sword and throws it back to Zelda, who catches it with the other Triforce piece and merges it back into one piece. And then Link zaps Ganon. And Ganon is defeated. I wrote down that he also shield surfs in this. Uh, yes, he does, because there's like a lava explosion or something, and he literally gets on his shield and shield surfs like one does in Breath of the Wild. A lot of firsts. A lot of firsts in this series. It's a seminal series. Reggie must be a very big fan of this cartoon (laughs) to have brought so many of those elements back for each of the subsequent games. Can I just say thank you, Reggie fils for developing Breath of the Wild. Thank you, Reggie fils <laughs> for bringing back shield surfing. Is this the first episode where we see that they they shrink their items? It shrinks. No, they shrink for every, every episode. I don't think it's the first one. I don't remember well enough to say what the first one was or what other instances were. But yeah, they do the whole thing where every time they regrow their items or shrink it, it does the you got an item sound effect from the first Zelda. That's cute. It's really something. Link's shield does, of course, have a cross on it. It does. Mm-hmm. He, he does have his uh, corrupted symbol of Hylia shield, but it is definitely a Christian cross in this version of the story. He looted it while adventuring in Arcadia. So um, he grabs hold. Uh, wait, is Arcadia where Captain N is from? No, Arcadia is where uh, Prince Facade is from. Oh, okay. So Link shield surfs out on the fire as the underworld basically explodes. And he's like, hey, Zelda, I saved your life. Kiss me. And he says it in that exact fucking way. And Zelda's like, get fucked. <laughs> not in exact like not, those not, words. Not quite like that. But uh, that's the end of this particular role-playing session, so I guess they need to take a nap afterward. Oh, dear, this episode. What's the next episode, Monica? Stinging a stinger. Oh, fuck off! It's, no! again, a term hmm? so archaic. We might need... We, do we need to skip this one? Because it's way more racist than episode five, Sing for a Unicorn. I think we should call out the racism. It's du- Wait, oh, okay. what's, what, is, what does stinger mean in this context? Stinger like is... Like a scammer. Like a scammer. Okay. But, but also, there are a lot of bugs, like wasps, in this episode. And also, uh, he purports to have a magic sword, much like Sting from uh, The Hobbit. Okay. No, it's a scimitar. Yeah, but it's this a magic sword. This man's nose is drawing. Uh-huh. Okay, so Link comes upon someone in the woods who is being accosted by bandits. And this someone is an ex- what might be read by anyone with any sense as an extremely racist caricature of a Jewish person and a person of Roma descent. At the is same this the time... First, is this the only instance in the series where Link fights human bandits? It is actually the only time that I can remember. Well, then I want to hear this man's voice to see oh, how dear. racist it is. Man! Please, leave me alone! 
Okay, I mean, that's just a regular voice. Yeah. Is it? I, it, I it mean, keeps... for, like, a villager who's being mugged, yeah. Crystal. I would not consider that to be, like, a Jewish voice. The, the merchant's name is Slee's Nose. Oh! <laughs> okay. Yeah. Have we put... Have we got it now? Uh. Yeah? Okay, enough about Harry Potter. Let's talk about <laughs> Zelda. Let's talk about Zelda. And, uh... Link rescues uh, Slee's nose from these bandits. And uh, the guy is like, I'm going to stop saying that name now because I'm making myself uncomfortable. And the guy is like, oh, you saved me. I'm going to offer you this sword. And Link's like, I can't possibly afford a sword this nice. It's a beautiful scimitar looking sword. And the merchant is like, oh, but it's a gift. I tell you, and Link's like, okay, well, if you say so, I can't turn down one that's this nice. I do have a job that involves sorting. And he's like, whoop, I kind of forgot there. I have my own sword. As he tries to put this completely differently shaped sword in his own scabbard. And the merchant is like, oh, I'll just take that one off your hands if you like, since you won't be needing it anymore. And Link's like, that makes sense to me. because Also, this sword will win over women. Yeah, he says it makes people irresistible to women. And Link's like, even princesses? And the merchant says, especially princesses. And Link's like, yowza, bo-bowza. And he takes it. And I need to point out here that the entire action sequences, action sequence leading up to this was framed specifically to illustrate how exceptional Link's sword is because he uses it to cut other weapons in half the long way while fighting them. Regular people are no match for Link, period. Oh, the uh, Zelda.gamepedia.com image for the entry for Slee's Nose is a hell of a drawing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how he looks in many shots. They don't mention anything about this character being problematic at all. Oh, I don't think there was much conversation around uh, the cartoon at the time, so there isn't anything for them to reference in the wiki. Well, uh, you can call it out. There's you can, but... four paragraphs describing this character you can but like people want their wikis to be curative and not critical and i'm not saying that's good in fact it's bad and lazy and it takes away from like the state of criticism of the game and maybe they should have but i know why they didn't because they want to be what you call objective but these wikipedia pages or gamepedia pages have explanations for the remotest possibility of why a certain thing is named a certain way nobody likes to talk about the cartoon much less about this racist ass caricature well turns out that merchant was a scammer and he gave link a bad sword and when link tries to use the sword against a monster that's about to attack zelda it breaks at the first blow which is the first time that link has a weapon that can break yes like the giant's knife or everything in breath of the wild Ta-da! also um Link's actual sword is very inconsistently sized. I don't know if you've noticed, Crystal, but in some action sequences between different episodes, it's only about as long as a kitchen knife, and in others, it's as long as Link's forearm. Yeah, no. that uh, Not too surprising. <laughs> no, it's in keeping with the standards of animation at the time. Meanwhile, the merchant is has gone to Ganon to trade the sword... He offered... No, that's not quite... To sell the sword. Yeah, Link and Zelda get captured by Ganon. 
And then the merchant shows up like, hey, you want this sword? And Ganon's like, that sword has been a tremendous problem for me many times. Yes, I do actually want it. How much is it? He says, asking how much he may pay this merchant to have the sword of his hated enemy. And the merchant says, you may have it for 1,000 rubies. And Ganon does a really high-pitched star scream pig squeal talking about how that is robbery and also sees him and um the merchant in keeping with his racist caricature self tries to like bargain with ganon as he's being taken away like he's like i'll come down to 500 uh 250 just for you what about 100 oh Uh, yeah basically (laughs) yeah this is where we are and Link, Zelda, and the merchant get thrown into Goma's lair, and they're attacked by Goma. And um, Link and Zelda have, grab hold of the merchant and turn him upside down and shake all the stuff out of his pockets. And then they MacGyver a solution to their problem out of the bits and bobs that he had on him and the boomerang that Zelda was carrying. And there's this sequence where... What exactly is it that happens? There's they, a rope. They make a plan because... oh. Are you talking about Goma or like... Goma. Yeah, the rope tied around. They take the lock picks that the merchant has and they tell him, go pick that lock, we'll try to hold off Goma for as long as we can. And Link, like, takes the rope, ties it to the boomerang and throws it at Goma, which wraps around one of its legs. And Zelda's holding the rope, I think, and she gets swung around Goma, like, a million times and she's like, help? And Link's like, no, 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 you got it. And she's like, no, seriously? And he's like, no, 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 you've got it. And... After a very extended sequence of Zelda being swung around like somebody tied her to the end of a ceiling fan, uh, it ends with Goma being tied up in a big ball of rope and Link being like, see, I told you it would work. And Zelda being like, if I could, I would stomp a mud hole in your head right now. They're rough with each other. They, they eventually get out. They hear from the Triforce that they should defeat Ganon through natural means. Because they don't have the sword. Which the, they figure and deduce in the weirdest way possible, meaning natural equals nature. Somebody equals... said, somebody uses the word sting, and it gives Link the idea, stingers. You know what's natural? Bugs. So this is the first instance of weaponized bees. Uh-huh. So they run around and they make the merchant gather up a bunch of insects, as such as bees trapped in chests. Oh, and they use a shovel. And a sho- they had first instance of a shovel... First instance of items being stored in a chest, I think. Yep. Which, okay. And then <laughs> Ganon travels out with the sword. with On uh, on his palanquin, which is being carried by uh, whatever the hell those things were called. Loa, lower, lower. Lower. And the merchant comes out with a present that says, and he's like, Oh, Ganon, I want to join your side. This box has the Triforce of Wisdom in it as proof of my fealty. And Ganon's like, oh, I definitely want that. And he opens it, and it's full of bees. And the bees attack him, and he's like, ah, this is bad. And then they launch a beehive out of a catapult, and he gets hit with the beehive, and he's like, not more bees. And then he runs away. They get the sword back in the end. That's not quite the end. No? Because um, the merchant steals what he thinks is the actual Triforce of Wisdom. Oh, yeah. And Link is like, well, that's bad. And Zelda goes, no, no, no. See, I figured he would do that because he's a racist caricature. So actually, that box is full of ants. And she actually says that it's full of ants. And then the merchant opens the box, and it's full of ants. 
And he's attacked by the ants, and he screams about how he's being attacked by ants, and then he runs off into the woods, and that's the end of the episode. What a bad episode. <laughs> it's not a good episode by... This the, the cartoon into purely bad category. Yeah, this is... Uh, it's like, there's no real redeeming features to it. It hasn't got any of that fun, weird sexual tension between Zelda and Link where you can read it as something different. It hasn't got any clever action sequences. It hasn't got any genuine moments of Link breaking down. Oh, Zelda does refuse to kiss Link because he made one too many bee puns. Oh, that's right. He, he, he keeps making bee jokes and she's like, fuck you, no more jokes. And he's like, ah, it's worth it. Yeah, there's not really much about this fucking episode that is anything except for Rancid. <sighs> okay, we've got three episodes left. Right? Is it uh-huh. three? No, we got four episodes left. Piss off! Oh, it's four! Oh. No! Well, we can't stop now. No, we definitely can't. This is where things get really something. <laughs> now, Monica, you do this one. At least to start. Uh, Link goes fishing. Oh, yeah, the first instance of fishing. Um, Zelda catches on and doesn't let him go fishing. Yep, that we measured, does. and Zelda is taller in this sequence. Yep, it's true. Link oh. is at various <laughs> points referred to as a pipsqueak. Yeah, yeah, he's not a big guy. I wonder how they they managed to catch that. I guess in the official art in the first one, he is very short. Yeah, basically. Funny, funny how they they did that. Maybe. Why is Link's hat so small? If it was any longer, it'd look weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds very familiar. Um, because Ganon has not attacked for a few weeks. Yeah, this is the actual explanation she uses. Link has to do chores. Yeah, it, because if Ganon's not attacking, then Link's not guarding. And if he's not guarding, then he has to earn his keep in different ways. Here we're introduced to another resident of the castle. Doof. Some, <laughs> what's his name? Doof. D-O-O-F. Okay. And he makes magic-powered robots. He's like a handyman. Yes. But he makes magic-powered robots in his spare time because he wants the robot to do all the chores that he doesn't feel like doing. Thanks, of The first appearance of robots in the series. The first appearance of robots. Magic-powered robots, even. Magic-powered robots. The original Guardian is Doof's (laughs) household cleaning robot. Um, Somehow I note here that there is the first appearance of a net as well. Oh, yeah. This is actually the first time... That they use a net to catch something. Oh, the moblins show up with a net. That's what it is. Okay. So Link asks Doof to make some robot moblins to terrify Zelda and give him an excuse not to do chores. And Doof's like, okay. I'll give it a shot, I guess. Zelda, of course, overhears this and is like, that's what you think, bub. And then some actual moblins show up. Yeah, and one of, one of the only clever bits of writing that the show ever does. And I say clever very loosely. She's like, oh, ho-hum, I'm getting kidnapped. And Link's like, you're not you're not alarmed? And she's like, why would I be? And the Moblins pick her up and carry her off. And they're like, well, this is kind of weird, but whatever. Do you think the reason Link doesn't let Zelda take the Triforce of Power is that so he has an excuse to keep having a job? It's, yes. It's funny that you mention that because this does come up later. Absolutely. Huh. No, I think it's because if they do that, then they have to come up with a new scenario. Yeah. And that's troublesome, and that takes work. That takes a lot. Wait, hold on. Are you talking about, like, the screenwriters having to do work? Uh Uh-huh. No, I was talking about Link and Zelda having to come up with a new scenario for their role-playing. Oh, that also takes work. Yeah, it does. Different kind of work. Um, 
Zelda is kidnapped and Ganon's ploy this time is to put a magical necklace on her that will make her want to marry him. It's a mind control necklace. Because it has to meet its 80s cartoon, you know, fucky quota. It does. This um, this episode swings for the fences as far as that goes. I write down here that like Shield surfs off of a bomb. That's true, he does. Meaning This is that particular sequence that people use GIFs of all the time where a bomb is thrown at Link and he jumps on the bomb with his shield and uses it to blast himself forward at extremely high speeds. It's kind of surprising. Sorry, could, you, could you say that again? It's the sequence where Link jumps on top of his shield to protect himself from the blast of a bomb and uses the concussive force to launch himself forward. At high speeds. What do people make of this scene? Did I say gifs or yeah? Did I say gifs or gifs? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. You said gifs. Did I? That's fine. I lean towards gif. How about you, Crystal? I mean, it's not graphics interchange format. I generally go about fifty-fifty in terms of my pronunciation. It is similar to the pineapple on pizza argument. One of the most basic ass arguments you can possibly have so i pay no attention to it how do you feel about pickles on pizza you know i've never had it but i'd be willing to try it i love pickles i imagine it'd be sort of like having um olives on pickles uh, olives on pizza rather which i love what kind of other toppings do you usually have with the pickles banana pepping banana peppers that sounds pretty good huh okay maybe next time we make pizza i'll try some of that That'll be nice. We can make different uh, toppings for different areas of the pizza. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Thank you, Crystal. That's a good idea. Um, Link races down into the underworld where Zelda is about to get married to Ganon. The Grim Reaper is the minister. Yeah. The Grim Reaper is in here and he's jiving them the business. I don't know. There's nothing else interesting about this. Why why did Dracula lend death to... uh, officiate the wedding of ganon because this is just death i mean it's not a whiz robe it's not a whiz robe it's death he's got a sign right he hmm. it's not a skeleton man he has he has a face does have a scythe though doesn't he yeah that's not a whiz robe no that's uh the grim reaper death yeah there's about two seconds of zelda going oh i have to marry him him meaning ganon yeah and that doesn't work out, and the necklace comes off, and she's like, ah. Uh, Link does his big hero thing, I think, with bombs. Like, he uses a bomb to explode both Death and Ganon, which blows them to smithereens. And uh, then he leaves with Zelda, and Zelda's like, why am I here, and why am I wearing this stupid-looking necklace? Because something about Ganon getting zapped broke his hold over her mind. She mm. takes the necklace off and just throws it away like trash. And that's basically the whole episode, though we do get a cut to both Ganon and Death in the evil jar. Yes. And while Death is in the evil jar, nobody dies. Like in the potential of what could have happened in the Neil Gaiman uh, graphic novel series Sandman. Am I the only one who read that? I read a bit of it. Did you? Didn't I? No. I've I never did. read the graphic novel Sandman. I... <sighs> I guess calling it a graphic novel is a little bit pretentious, but I trust that everyone listening will give us the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> you too. Fairies in the spring. Oh boy. They want to set up a royal water a spring. park. <sighs> Fairies in the spring. 
where they want to set up a royal water park for everybody in Hyrule. It's what very a good hot. plot. What a fucking <laughs> plot. It's very hot. And Zelda's like, it's way too hot to be doing anything. And King Harkinian, who is just like chilling out in a uh, fountain in the courtyard wearing his 50s style bathing suit. Link has the same kind. Also, what a good king. He just wants a place for the citizens of Hyrule to have a place to cool off and fun. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what kings do. Yeah, that's definitely what kings do in this setting. They ask for jam. Encourage uh harassers to try to have sex with their daughters and build water parks <laughs> um lots of water creatures show up yeah and it's like theoretically this is the only time they get really creative with enemy design in this entire series because it's like these morpha beasts who appear as watery versions of classic monsters and it's actually really cool looking it's like the coolest looking action sequence in the series since the first episode and the water monsters appear and they scare off all the workers and the foreman runs back to hyrule castle and has to explain to the king why all of his workers ran away and that it's impossible for them to actually complete the water park wait there's golden triangles in here Uh uh-huh where near near the king's throne Uh uh-huh what's your point Oh, yeah. No, there's like a Triforce-shaped lamp. Yeah. But it's not shaped like the Triforce. No, it's a drawing of the Triforce. Just like what you see in the game is a representation of the actual object, which is the upside-down polyhedron that Zelda has floating behind her on a chain all the time. Oh, so it's like an abstraction. Yeah. So from the cartoon's perspective, the games are an abstraction of the cartoon, which is a running theme with the cartoons of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Link also just swings in out of nowhere. Yeah. For no reason. When he's like, how could we possibly fight those monsters? Link swings in. To the throne room. To the throne room from nowhere, literally, as if he was Tarzan swinging in on a vine again. But it's not clear where the rope that he's using is anchored to because he's inside while he's swinging. And it's relatively low ceiling and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And Zelda's, and Link's like, did anybody call for a hero? And Zelda's like, yeah, but I guess you'll do. But, um, tish. Well, that's just more of the way that, like, sometimes they like to demean each other in front of people. Uh, In front of people. Yeah. Don't do that, kids. No. That's one of the most important lessons you can take away from this show is that you need to work out exactly what your limits are and some of the limits you set need to be how you act around other Don't folks. Don't get non-consenting strangers involved yeah. or family members. Oh, Jesus. That's weird. Yeah, but Harkinian isn't actually a family member. He's just an older man that Zelda calls daddy. Okay. They go to the water park. They can't find anything. Then the, but, mo- the water attacks them. Yes, and the king is abducted. Uh-huh. They sleuth around and find out there's a secret grate in the pool. It's not really a secret grate. It's the it's one drain. Grate. It's the one drain in the pool. Yeah, and they go through it, and there's like a monster fish. Yes. And they have this big fight with the monster fish, and Zelda uses her magic to create a little ice disc in front of it to slow it down while it's swimming. And it's, the fish could easily swim around it, but it just keeps bumping into it over and over. Anyway, they I can research. I can hear Crystal clicking around trying to find the particular sequence that I just mentioned. They resurface and it is a fairy spring, which which the water was coming from. Yes, the water, the spring that was being used to fuel the water park was actually 
connected through the underground to the fairy spring. So the fairies have been using their magic to create these water monsters to terrorize folks so that the fairy spring will not get drained. King Harkinian is fine. He was talking to the fairy king, Oberon. Who looks exactly like King Harkinian. Like King Harkinian, only he's three inches tall. And, uh... Where where does Sprite fit into this this relationship square? <laughs> Sprite is... I think she wants in. Yeah, she's she's in there. Oh, is she? I think. I mean, this whole kingdom is like it's just a one big. Bee. It's just like it's just like a house that they live in together, basically. And the underworld is their sex dungeon. This is awkward. Is it awkward? It is pretty awkward. Why is it awkward? <laughs> because it it. Because when you say this is awkward, I assume you're talking about the conversation and the tone that's being brought. No, up here. no, I mean this scenario, but. It's only, it's less awkward than what the truth of the matter is. What's your take on this whole thing, especially with regards to Sprite, Crystal? Uh, I think I think Sprite's not in, in it, but she wants no? to be. Mm. But she she doesn't, she doesn't know how to actually start that conversation. Really? Because she's really open about it, I think. Yeah, and Link's always like, no. <laughs> Okay, it's more like she's coming on really strong and she keeps getting shut down, but in like a non-definitive way. Oh, wait, no, it's completely definitive. Right, no, they they have had this conversation oh, and they said awkward. no. Okay, now it's awkward. <laughs> but she keeps pushing for it because she just really wants Link in particular. And Link's like, no, there isn't really room in my life to add another person to this bullshit right now. Like, this is already a really delicate balance, and I respect you and you're my friend, but we can't have a relationship that works like that. Not right now. This is a much more interesting version of this story. I think this, the, getting back to the episode, the solution is that... Now we're only, really the Voltron fandom. The only They only need the water to fill up the water park, and after that, it just instantly recycles itself, so they'll be fine. They will use mechanical pumps to move water from other sources in the kingdom so that they don't have to use any water from the spring because they have mechanical irrigation in this version of Hyrule. Well, they have magical robots, so why not? I think that he actually uses the phrase mechanical. Like, modern irrigation is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's not complicated, but it's more than you would expect out of this Dungeons and Dragons ass version of Hyrule. So it's just something that took me aback when I heard Harkinian say it. No, he says, we'll just use magic ponds to move our water. That's it. Magic. It was ponds, not pumps? No, ponds. So Harkinian and Oberon just needed to talk to each other. Uh-huh. Which is why Harkinian got kidnapped. Okay. Yep. Like, your daughter lives at the castle. You can just set up a meeting. It's easy, actually. <laughs> Maybe this is his way of, like, trying, trying to get in on this relationship square. Uh. I, I would call this the most nothing episode in the entire series, but it's not the worst one because to sting a stinger is still there. Fairies are just really bad at communication. They are. It's just a fact. They, they don't know how to do it. Episode 12, The Missing Link. Episode 12 was where you noticed the animation value increasing. Yeah, The Missing Link is the one 
episode of this entire series that I would call genuinely entertaining and worth watching for people who want to see what the show is about without having to experience the entire thing. Just stick to this one episode. This one episode, The Missing Link. You can find it on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, Ganon charges into the castle. He has a wand of power. Yeah. That he's going to zap Zelda with so that she'll end up into the evil jar. Yeah. Um, Through the fight, Ganon fires a beam, but it ricochets like eight times. Because Zelda deflects it. Yes. Oh, yes. During this whole thing, it's like this really involved action sequence where Link is fighting off all these moblins while Zelda's having a fucking wizard's duel with Ganon. And she brings out the Triforce of Wisdom to start with because that's like her power up mode. She has the Triforce of Wisdom. Yeah. So the beam ricochets eight times and then hits Link and then he disappears and then instead of, you know, taking the Triforce or Zelda or both, Ganon's like, eh, you'll come and hand over the Triforce eventually. He's like, that wasn't what I was aiming for, but the effect is basically the same. I'm out. So he leaves. And Zelda weeps for Link, who she thinks is dead. Or, you know. Or gone. Yeah. And Link is there in ghost form. And he's like, uh, yeah, hi. And she's like, <gasps> and he's like, uh, and the funny thing about this is that in extreme contrast to when Link got turned into a frog and had a very genuine emotional breakdown over it, Link is totally chill about being a ghost. He's sort of like that one guy in Phantom Hourglass who's he's just completely fine with his lot. Yeah. He's being completely a ghost isn't really an inconvenience. It's kind of an inconvenience, at least a little bit, as is played up a little bit here. Zelda is so relieved to see Link that she moves to embrace him, but then moves right through him. And he stands with his arms folded behind his back, which is his default posture during this entire episode. and just watches her and he's like, yeah, ghost. And nobody else can see Link. It's just Zelda. They can only sort of hear him. Zelda reasons that the reason that Link's ghost was left behind was that being deflected so many times must have reduced the efficiency of the spell so that his body was zapped, but his spirit was left behind. But now we have an episode where there is a ghost partner. There is a ghost partner. Fuck me. This is Spirit Tracks. This is Spirit Tracks. Reverse Spirit Tracks. Reverse Spirit Tracks, which is... I think measurably, maybe the only way to improve spirit tracks. Actually, yeah, that would be really fun. Yeah. If Link was the ghost <laughs> and the phantoms. That would read very differently. Yeah. Wow, that would be all right. I would play that game. Make us a sequel to Spirit Tracks where it's reverse spirit tracks based on the Legend of Zelda episode, The Missing Link, <laughs> Mr. Fizame. <laughs> um, so it's Zelda's job to storm into the underworld. She's got Link's sword. And she uses it, but Link, as the ghost Yoda of this episode, uh, corrects her usage of it constantly, and he talks to her like a really strict teacher. Well, he also says that he she swings it like a girl. Uh, yeah. But the ricochet is really strong in that thing. The kick. The kick. The recoil. The recoil. Yeah, yes, she tries to use it, and it nearly knocks her ass over. And he's like, no, no, no. When you're a beginner, you use it with two hands. And she tries to use it with two hands, and he's like, you're holding it wrong. And it's just this whole thing where as she's trying to fight, he's criticizing her form and her method throughout the whole thing. And she's like, I think I'm doing pretty well. And he's like, it's really pretty slipshod, to be perfectly honest with you. And it's the only time that their relationship as presented is actually fun and engaging. 
This is where we started noticing that the voice actor for Link pronounced it Zelda. Yeah. Not Zelda. But Zelda. Origin of Zelda. (laughs) I wasn't going to say that, but yes. Are you enjoying the episode, Crystal? You know, Link's transparency really wavers a lot between frames. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. The animation quality in this series is not great, so that... There are frames where, like, Link was missing eyebrows or... Yeah, in this particular one, oh, I remember the one that really jumped out at me. There's a shot in the Doppelganger episode where regular Zelda is wearing the black tunic. Yeah, they just colored it wrong. Yeah. (laughs) But this is genuinely the best episode in the series. Anyway, um, as they get through it, uh, this particular fight, Link's like, so you did pretty okay there. And she's like, oh, it's so sweet of you to say so. And he's like, sweet enough for a kiss? And she's like, oh, sure, why not? Come here. And he leans in and goes for it, and he passes right through her, and he's like, oh. And she's like, aha, gotcha. And they go on. Um, Ganon and his minions are in the evil jar looking at Link's body and being very confused. And he's like, he should have woken up by now. And eventually, what happens? They managed to, Link, Zelda manages to fight her. Oh, that's it. Um, I think what happens is that there's one enemy who's about to get the jump on Zelda, but Zelda says something to Link, and the Stalfos is like, Link, where is he? And Link, as a ghost, says, right behind you. And the Stalfos freaks out because it's scared. The skeleton man is very scared of ghosts, and it starts to run away. And, I just thought he was afraid of Link. And Zelda blasts it in the back. It is funnier if the skeleton is afraid of ghosts. Uh-huh. And, because they will run to fight Link. But this skeleton hears a ghost voice and runs away screaming. Okay. And Zelda blasts it in the back and it gets sent back to the evil jar. And it explains to Ganon that he heard Link's voice but could not see him. But it seemed as if Zelda could see him. And Ganon says something to the effect of, I see. Well, if his spirit is separated from his body, the only way... That she could possibly see him, he says, as Zelda and Link watch from a portcullis up uh, in the wall, is if she was in love with him. And Link's like, oh, and she's like, no. And he's like, oh, and she's like, no, 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 no. And then Link, being a tremendous fucking asshole, stands outside of Zelda's hiding spot and just starts shouting, Zelda loves me in a sing-song voice like 30 fucking times. And she's like, I'm going to get caught. And he keeps doing it anyway. And she's caught. And she falls down and she tries to fight them all. This is a fun game they set up. <laughs> Isn't it? This like, is a real good one in the context of your theory. Is it? Like, yeah. Like, this This works pretty well, I think. <laughs> because this is the only way it works if there's no actual danger and Link doing that particular thing carries, like, no potential really bad consequences. He's just playing around with the potentials of their respective agencies. And that works fine. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun game they made for each other. And Zelda fights off the Moblins as best she can. And she's quickly overwhelmed while Lynx runs off to grab hold of his body. Comes back to life. And him coming back to life scares the same Stalfos that he had scared before. And he manages to make his way out of the evil jar. And he, he breaks it, actually. Yeah. He breaks the evil jar. With a bomb. He blows up the evil jar with one of the nuclear explosion bombs that they have in this show, and it blasts the side of it to pieces, and a tidal wave of evil magic 
pours out of it and sweeps Ganon and all of the monsters out of the throne room and down into a bottomless chasm. So what happens now? What do you mean? What happens when the monster gets zapped? It's funny that you asked that question. We'll get into that next episode, okay? Because okay, next episode... Finale. Yeah, next episode is the finale. So he's back to his normal self and destroying the evil jar has made things very bad. So there's no time to grab the Triforce of Power. I don't of think they, not. I don't think they even make that joke in this one. They just run for it. And they manage to make it out just in time as things explode behind them. And Link is like, okay, listen, we went through a lot just now. I would actually appreciate that kiss that you offered earlier. And she says, yeah, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't do that. And she leans in for the kiss, and the ground that Link was standing on crumbles away, and he falls down into a relatively safe-seeming pit. And that's how the episode ends, with him saying, this happens every time. One more episode. The most common catchphrases in this show, in descending order, are, well, excuse me, princess. Kiss me, princess. (laughs) Saved your life. Kiss me. And this happens every time. And you can attach the importance of them yourself. What are your thoughts on this episode, Crystal? Not as one that you've watched, though it is the one episode you should actually watch, but just like as a concept. It's a good episode. It's all right, right? Yeah. And now we get to episode 13. The Moblins are revolting. They were always revolting, but now they're (laughs) rebelling. Ah. Hey. Yeah, you. Link is reading an Adventure of Link comic. Uh Uh-huh. Basically. Literally. Does it say Adventure of Link? It says Adventure of Someone. Yeah, it's basically Link. So they have the printing press. They do. And comic books. And straws. Yeah. Go on. Zelda had a straw in an episode earlier. When did we invent straws? Oh, they're actually quite ancient. The Sumerians had them. Oh, Use okay. them to drink beer. Oh, I would not have expected that. So, so as... the ninjas are fighting the wolfmen. Yeah, see, the ninjas are moblins, and the wolfmen, the Goria, both from Zelda 1 and Zelda 2, I think they're more in Zelda 2, uh, both attack from opposite sides of the room at the same time, and Link doesn't even get out of bed. He's just surprised that it's happening, but as everybody comes in, they, like, bumble and three stooges their way into all zapping each other simultaneously, and Link just kind of shrugs and go back, goes back to reading his comic. Saying, man, I'm good. <laughs> that is a good joke. That is a genuinely good joke. Mm-hmm. And this is the last episode of the series, also written by a woman, yeah. E. Forward. Just by a woman. Just by a woman. And uh, when they try to explain themselves to Ganon, Ganon's very cross that they managed to screw up so monumentally. And he tortures them for a minute, and then he goes and leaves. And after he does that, the Moblins and the Goria, who had previously been blaming each other for their respective failures, get together and they're like, you know, if we had been instructed to do things separately, then this wouldn't have happened. We didn't have to come in at the same time, except that that's how Ganon orders us to do it. Every time we fail, it's because Ganon's plans are so bad. And in fairness, Ganon's plans are very bad. So it's time for the proletariat to rise. Yeah, basically. What they do is Ganon has a special wand which creates a completely impenetrable force field around whoever the magic is used on. And he tests it out on one of the Moblins 
and the moblin is like, well, this isn't very fun. And Ganon's like, yeah, let me test out. This shouldn't, the only thing that can break this field is the Triforce of Power. And he demonstrates this by popping the bubble that the moblin is trapped in on the Triforce of Power. And the moblin is like, wow, that's a really good plan there, master. That's a great invention. And Ganon's like, yeah, I know it's a really great invention. And he puts it down and goes off to monologue for a second. And the moblin grabs the wand of capture or whatever the fuck he calls it. And Gan turns around and is like, what are you doing? And the moblin's like, uh, we're in charge now. And he zaps Ganon with it. And Ganon gets super pissed and tries to shoot the moblin with lightning, which of course zaps him instead. And then he tries to teleport out, and he finds that his magic teleporting can't get him out of the bubble because it's literally impenetrable. And then the moblins throw the bubble into an endless pit. And it's like, Ganon literally screams, No! Not the bottomless pit! As he gets dropped into the bottomless pit. And down he goes. And the moblins, the Goria, the Goma, the Gibdos, uh, the Aches... A couple of Goma, actually, and the Tekatites all form a union referred to as the Brotherhood of Underworld Monsters. Bum? Bum, yes. They gotta think through their acronyms. I think they probably did. Okay. They just find think the Bum. Martians. <laughs> yes, the Butt Ugly Martians. Um, so they decide that now that Ganon's out of the way, they're going to get the group second most responsible for their misery, which are Link and Zelda. First they throw a really, like, hilarious party. Do they? They they open the evil jar and party. Oh yeah, like they just the evil jar is back. By the way, it seems as if it was never damaged in the first place, so it just self repairs. Okay, that's it. There's no import to Link breaking the evil jar at all. You would think that like if episode twelve had been the last episode of the season, it would have worked as an end, not just of that particular thing, but of the whole series almost. Like, there would be more stories you could tell, but it would feel like Ganon had been defeated for real at least a little bit. Right, and it's the episode where Zelda admits that she loves Link. Yes, which does not come up in this episode, by the way. So, the plan of Bum is to go out as a group, them and all, like, the Dark Nuts come with them, the Wiz Robes come with them, everybody shows up. And instead of having a normal plan where a few of them sneak into the tower, try to take the Triforce of Wisdom, Link and Zelda, and there's nobody else in the entire castle, uh, hear a noise coming from outside, and they're like, is that Ganon doing some stupid thing again? And they go out and they look down into the field, and the monsters have gone full helms deep on Hyrule Castle. They have siege towers. They have siege towers, and all of them are amassed simultaneously. There's hundreds of them. And battering rams. Battering rams and siege towers, and they're ready to take Hyrule Castle altogether. But the monsters prove so incompetent that they start three-stooging at even the simplest tasks. And it's not even, like, super entertaining the way it works. It's like they start charging too early with the battering ram, so by the time they reach the door, they're too tired to do anything more than tap into it and then fall over. And they keep on... The the lead moblin keeps on saying, like, on the count of three, or when I say go... When I say go, <laughs> and they run the first time he says go, that's the joke that they choose yes. to repeat over and Repeatedly. over. And so... Link and Zelda's, they stand back and they just watch the whole thing because they're like, okay, if this is how it's going to go, we don't actually have to defend anything. And once that's established, they're like, okay, 
We're going to let them tire themselves out. Let's go see what Ganon's up to. Let's go get the Triforce. That's it. Let's go steal the fucking Triforce. Because Ganon clearly isn't doing something. And uh, they go down and uh, during all of this, Ganon still falling goes, wait, my magic can't get out of here, but my magic still works inside the bubble. So what I can do is create a balloon that will float me back up because the bubble makes it so that their effect of gravity on Ganon is reduced. He flies around like he's a beach ball or something. And so he blows a bubble that is apparently filled with helium or something inside of this invisible bubble. So he's just like pressed between two white lines on the screen because he's pressed up against the inside of his own bubble by another smaller bubble. It's very silly looking. And then he begins to float upward. And Lincoln's out. What is it? Oh, I just wanted to mention here that there are also flying monsters carrying other monsters. Oh, yeah. God. In the siege sequence. Yeah, that happens a couple of times, but that is the first instance of that particular thing. And Lincoln's able to get down to the Triforce chamber with no problem. And then Ganon pops up and he tries to zap them and ends up zapping himself in the face. He's very upset that someone would steal the Triforce of Power aside from him. Yeah, so he's it's like, clear. He's like, I stole that fair and square. Yes. Which establishes that at some point in the past, um, Zelda's family had both pieces of the Triforce. Yeah. Or somebody else, who knows? Not necessarily the... Okay, probably. What's your take on that particular bit of lore, Crystal? Well, yeah, the royal family used to have both Triforces, then Ganon stole Triforce power. That's right. the backstory of Zelda 1. Right, but if you get both, you're supposed to rule this land forever. Right. Have they stopped ruling it? <laughs> Ganon now rules half of it. And if he gets the Triforce of Wisdom, he'll rule it like does forever only last like what what is forever in this context what do you mean does forever does, does it say in the fine print forever unless somebody else gets hold of both pieces probably actually no whoever I, gets both pieces first rules the kingdom forever as the royal family of hyrule does i i okay so you're saying that there's no actual threat from ganon because he can't win right that's not that's not how the rules work because they found it first, so they rule the kingdom forever. Then why does Zelda think that it matters? I mean, you still have to try. No, you don't. Okay, the real answer is that it's part of the game. Okay. That's it. Okay. Okay, so Ganon floats back up, and Link and Zelda are like, I cannot believe how perfect this is. Link is like, let's have some fun, and Zelda's like, no, no, no. The Triforce of Power is right there. We're going to take it. We're going to leave. We're not going to mess with Ganon. We're just going to go. And Link's like, oh, come on, live a little. And he kind of like serves Ganon up like he's a volleyball and knocks it over towards Zelda. And Zelda's like, cut it out. And she knocks Ganon back, and he's like, ah, go along. And he knocks Ganon back one more time. And the arc on his hit is just perfect so that Ganon hits the Triforce of Power. Which pops the bubble and frees Ganon, and Ganon starts to go berserk. And he's like, I'm really mad about what just happened, but before I tend to you two, I have to tend to my own household. And then he turns into an evil wind that blows through the kingdom of Hyrule, enveloping all of the monsters and reducing them to mist. Oh yeah, that does happen. Yeah, and it's like the most chilling effect that Ganon's magic has in the entire series and while he's off doing that Link and Zelda beat feet like really hard because Ganon is pissed on a level they've never seen before and Zelda's pissed 
at Link on a level that's never been seen before either. Ganon returns with the monsters, and they all bow down in fear to him. And he's like, yeah, I see you guys made a big mess here. So, and it's like, it's a real mess in that parts of the lair are broken and there's shattered stone everywhere. And Ganon goes, so, the first thing that's going to happen here is that all of you are going to clean this place up with your tongues. And then there's like a five or six second shot of all the monsters on the ground licking the floor. Do Salfos have tongues? Well, we saw the Moblins and the Goria doing it. I don't know if we see the Salfos doing it. Crystal, will you try to look at this particular bit? Okay. See, the okay. Stalfos lick... Well, it's not tongue. about the Stalfos. It's just that it's like when he says you're going to clean it with your tongues and then they start cleaning it with their tongues. It's a little bit fucky. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit fucky. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then we get to the end of the series where Zelda goes, I cannot believe you reset the status quo like that. What is wrong with you? And Link's like, yeah, that was a really high pressure situation though. And and it was completely my fault. And I admit that. And she's like, admitting it doesn't mean that you didn't do it. And I'm still furious with you. And he's like, well, there's only one thing I can say to that. And then he does his excuse me, princess. And she gets so angry, she upends a bucket over his head and storms off. And then he looks directly at the camera and says, oh, well, at least I still have a job. Here's my Series canceled. <laughs> the, the, the workers' revolution was not part of the game. That was real. That was real. Oh. And that's why Ganon uses his actual magic for once. One time where we see him cut loose. And then Zelda's actually mad because... They were going to be able to win the game, but Link ah. ruined it because he wanted to keep playing. I see. They don't have the structure set up to be able to communicate these in the middle of their scenes, which is something that they should be angry about. But I think partially Zelda might also be mad at herself because you can't expect Link's dumbass to come up with this stuff. So what do you think of this series, Crystal? Just as it's, like, you know, it's not that bad. Oh, yeah? Could be worse. Sleaze nose. Okay, that was a bad episode. Sing the the Korean gibberish speaking ninja woman. Uh, yeah, okay. The water park episode. <laughs> that was a good. You know. I feel the like missing like... link was the final episode in production order. Ah. Oh, okay. If anybody actually wants to watch this stupid show in its entirety, switch the Moblins are revolting with the missing link. I really would love to hear from someone who watched this cartoon as it was airing oh we've got a crystal and i have a couple of followers on twitter i think who watched it when they were kids well please please write in and share your thoughts yeah we we can definitely read some emails with regards to this in particular crystal i do recommend that you go back at some point and watch the missing link because it's a genuinely fun show that in some ways feels almost like a counterpart to Spirit Tracks, weirdly enough. How would you rate each episode of the show? Oh, what's our grading curve here? A, B, C, D, F. Okay, but like, are we talking about a thing where A is the missing link or where A is the one episode in the ending of Avatar The Last Airbender where Zuko has his final battle with uh, his sister? Let's do both. Oh, okay. Are you going to try to rate these two? No. Why not? I just want your ratings. Okay. Um. I'll. Do you want me to go first, baby, or go so ahead? 
Well, I'll do it at the same time. Okay. Um, so we'll go first for only writing it within itself, where an A is the missing link and an F is stinging a stinger. Okay. Okay. So the ringer. I'm thinking that's actually like a B. Like a okay. B minus. B. Yeah, B. We're, we're going to give just flat letter grades. We're not doing minuses or pluses. Yes, 43210. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that cold spells is probably a D. D. Yeah, that's a nothing ass episode. Uh, the White Knight is a solid B. I'd say C, but okay. Well, I mean, it's got some half decent jokes in it. Okay. Uh, I, okay, I'll go with C then. Uh, what about Kiss and Tell? I think I think that might actually be like another A just for like okay like the sequence where they actually have Link break down and cry and uh-huh. the weirdness of the Wall Witch. Okay. Yeah. You've convinced me. Yeah. Sing for the unicorn. D. D- okay, I'll F. call I'll call that a, yeah D and F sure. It's not very interesting either. No, it's not. It's really quite silly. But if we do it with the reading where it's just supposed to be like, is that the one with the sleepwalking? Yes. Okay. Maybe. The sleepwalking, if you read their relationship the way that we're reading it on the Book of Medora podcast, is a pretty funny bit. Um, so I'll call that one a D. Uh, that sinking feeling, which is uh, in the run for the fuckiest episode in some ways. Um, See? Yeah, I, I, I guess I could. I don't remember anything about it except for like the mummification and the pulling of the castle down. That's it. I'll call it a C, I guess. Doppelganger. Doppelganger is a solid B. It's, I agree. Um, Underworld Connections. Which one was Underworld Connections? Oh, this is the sleepwalking one. Oh, okay. And the finding the Triforce pieces. What a stupid episode. D. Yeah. Stinging Sting- a stinger is a hard F. G. I. You you have to take the test again, and you're guaranteed to fail. Um, a hitch in the works. Which one was that? Secret marriage mind control. That Not very a, interesting. No, it was like really D. quite nothing. Uh, no, I'll, I'll call it a C, C? though. It wasn't actively okay. offensive. Okay. Fairies in the Spring was a D. Yeah. Uh, the Missing Link was an A. Mm-hmm. And the Moblins were revolting. I'll call that a B. Okay. It, okay. Let me take the average here. <laughs> average is 2.0. So a C. Yeah. Oh, we did really good getting that perfectly average. Okay. Now, um, we're going to do it according to the other scale, where A is the best episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if it's necessarily the one where... Can't we just say collectively it's like a D (laughs) minus? What's the best episode of The Last Airbender? I don't know. The Last Airbender has some really, really good episodes, and those good episodes are strengthened by other good episodes, so it's like contextually the show is better as a whole than it is looking at single sequences from it. Maybe Sozin's Comet Part 4 Avatar Ang. That's really strong. I'm a really big fan of the Ember Island players, actually. Oh. Is that not a popular choice? It is a popular choice. <laughs> oh, okay. I like it. Um, oh, heck. Uh, I like it when Suko reunites with Iroh. That's really good, yeah. Uh the tales of bossing say is really good mm-hmm. um the stuff that goes on at the south pole what was that two-parter called with and, the moon girl yeah stuff with ua and the 
Spirit of the Ocean, uh, where Aang becomes possessed by an angry spirit that kills a bunch of people. The Crossroads of Destiny? Which one was that? That was the ending of season two. Oh, okay. Uh, I also really like the episode where Aang has an extended conversation with Guru Patik about uh, the nature of the universe, the elements, and the Avatar. And I thought that was the coolest foundation and conversation to have about the setting. And way too much of it ended up being walked back in Legend of Korra. God damn it. Oh man, what about the moment in the Crossroads of Destiny where Zuko has to choose between being a good guy and a bad guy? And he chooses to be a bad guy. That is definitely a Crossroads of Destiny. That show was really good. What a good show. What a good episode. What a, what a good goddamn show. Are we just advising listeners to watch The Last Airbender instead of the Zelda cartoon? Oh, absolutely. The Last Airbender is a much better show. Oh, absolutely. The Last Airbender is a genuinely good show. Like, it would be one of my top five cartoons, I think. Remember when Azula fucking kills Aang? She does. She just smokes him in the back with lightning and he dies. And a good season finale. And Katara has to try to bring him back. For, oh, God. That shit was traumatizing. It was so good. Oh. And remember that part where uh, Zutara fans are still angry? <laughs> why? What do you mean, why? Because their ship was sunk. Okay. That ship never made sense. No, it didn't. But some I, of them are still mad about it. I knew about Zutara before I watched the series. Uh-huh. Sorry about that. It was much more popular. Yeah, I was just utterly baffled. Once you started watching it, yeah. where it's like, where's the chemistry? I, I got, I think... She wants him dead. I think I got like 80% way of the way through the series. And then I was like, wait, so when is this shipping stuff going to kick in? It doesn't. And it's like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. What a no, great Katara's final relationship with uh, Zuko is like begrudging respect. Yeah, she does respect him, and he does keep her from murdering a man, but that's as far as it goes. Friend friend might be a strong word. I, they've been through a lot together. C- comrade. Yeah, comrade in arms. We're going to rank the—we're going to grade these episodes again. Collectively? No. No? Individually, oh. where an A is the better parts of The Last Airbender. Okay, here we go. The Ringer, a D. D. Cold Spells, <laughs> F. White Knight, D. Kiss and Tell, D. Mm, D. Uh, Sing for the Unicorn, F. That Sinking Feeling, F. Doppelganger, D. Underworld Connections, F. Stinging a Stinger, double F. (laughs) A Hitch in the Works, uh, F. Fairies in the Spring, F. The Missing Link is a C. The Moblins Are Revolting is a D. Okay. What's the adjusted GPA? Uh, 0.46. Oof. Okay. You have to take the whole year again. The missing link is trying really hard to pull for the rest of them. Redo grade five. Cameron, where can people send us questions? You can send questions to the podcast email, Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com that's book of medora podcast at gmail.com hold on i'm gonna watch the crossroads i'm gonna watch the part where zuko makes the evil choice okay because it's they spent the whole season redeeming this man this boy 
and then he chooses wrong at the end of the season. It's so good. Oh, what a good show. <laughs> uh, hold on. Do you, have, do you have any emails? Let's see. I did. We did actually get a lore correction that I stuck in the uh, questions document, but oh. I saw that you. I saw that you put a couple of jokes in there, so I'm not going to open that on my screen. Let's see. Mothy sends, a, sends in a correction. Here's a lore correction. In the Phantom Hourglass episode, you said that you get a magic hammer. Not so. It's actually a normal hammer, but the reason you can smash anywhere you touch on the screen is because Celia is physically picking it up and moving it there. It's very cute. Ah. I had forgotten that. Also, this is not a lore correction, but a neat thing about the ending of Wind Waker you didn't go over is how Link sets sail on the King of Red Lions boat, but the figurehead is no longer alive and has gone back to being a chunk of wood. Did we not talk about that? I, think I guess we must not have. Maybe. Yeah, I guess not. That is a very neat thing. Kind of sad. Well, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Thank you, Mothy. That's a top-shelf fucking correction. Thank I for- you. I forgot that Celo was the one swinging the damn hammer. Thank you, Mothy. I guess... Go ahead. Rob Million asks, What's your favorite ride in the King's Water Park? <laughs> Definitely the giant... Uh, the two giant water crabs. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's actually the brick slide that has no water on it. That uh, Link, Zelda, and Sprite all slide down together at the end of the episode. Because you don't see the friction burns that they get on their asses when they're swimsuits just light on fire what about yours probably like the slide (laughs) was there a water dragon at some point yeah yeah that's pretty cool that's one heck of an amusement to to go to the amusement park yeah but it was one of the monsters that was attacking them yeah i know okay (laughs) orc lesbian asks who is that wizard guy was he in any games can you give us your best, my boy, impressions? Um, I think Orc Lesbian may be referencing the Philips CDI games rather than the cartoon. Does the king say my boy in any of these? Uh, no, he does not. No. The wizard guy was in none of the games. Which wizard guy? The, the evil pig wizard guy. Oh, Ganon? Yes. Yeah. It's a very different version Star of Starscream was in none of the games. Yeah. I do like that they're asking in a way that implies that this is not Ganon as we know Ganon, because it's effectively not. Just some guy who really wants to marry Zelda. Crystal, as a professed fan of Wizard Ganon, what's your take on this version of the character? He sucks. Okay. <laughs> You're not wrong. He he's does suck. He's the worst of both worlds. He's, he's, yeah. he's, not, he's not a great evil, and he's also not some punk. It's true. Would you prefer that he just be, like, full Gilligan slash Starscream? I would like him to be, like, uh, the bad guy from Gargoyles. You want him to be Xanatos? Yes. (laughs) Xanatos is an interesting one to pick because he's both um, extremely dangerous, way too competent, and actually kind of super hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Ganon. Do you want Pig Ganon to be super hot? Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense, sure. Which version which version of Ganon's voice in this show did you like? Did you like the really high pitched screaming one? Or like the super fucking deep one? Ain't heard either. Oh. You've never listened to Ganon talk? Nope. 
but you said you watched the first episode. He's in that I episode. did. I don't remember his voice. Oh. Okay, you know, I'm let sorry. Me, let me bring that up. He usually brings out the deeper voice when he's monologuing. It's like a music video. Yeah, he really switches between those voices, huh? He code switches really fucking hard. Almost like he a has good impression. a split personality. Huh. The Demon King and Gilligan. Yeah. The Demon Thief and the... the, the hmm. Was Gandorf <laughs> called the Demon Thief? Um, In the backstory provided in the Link to the Past manual, he's called the Prince of Demon Thieves? Yeah, the Prince of Demon Thieves and the Calamity. Yeah, alright. This is the worst possible interpretation <laughs> of that. Like, by far. And he sucks. We got any more questions? Uh, Curly Brace asks... Sassy Triforce of Wisdom, good slash bad. Is it that sassy? It's not really sassy. It's, it's not really kinda, sassy. It just kind of rhymes sometimes. What is it? It's, it's utterly useless. It's what okay. Is it? What do you mean? It's not the Triforce, so what is it? This is the cartoon version of the tri- Okay, it's just like some oracle, it's I guess. It's a force gem. It's a big it's force gem. It's a talking force gem. The force gem is bad. So Hy- Hyrule has forgotten what the Triforce is. So they come across this big force gem. It's like, oh, I guess this must be the Triforce. <laughs> yeah, basically, that would make sense. Curly Brace asks, Sprite, good, bad? I like Sprite. It's a good drink. <laughs> yeah, but the character in the show. Oh, yeah, she's all right. Yeah, she seems fine. She's exactly Tinkerbell. She's pretty much exactly Tinkerbell, only this Tinkerbell wants Link's dick. But... Tinkerbell kind of wanted Peter Pan. Uh, that's true. She was romantically interested in him. Yes. The only actual line I can remember from reading Peter Pan when I was 10 was when Tink calls Peter a silly ass. And I was taken aback by it because that's the first time I had ever read ass not as a cuss word. <laughs> yeah. Jasmine asks, do you think the shield jumping slash surfing in Breath of the Wild was a reference to that gif of a bomb jump? I'm glad that she brought up that gif in the same way that I did. I, I, in all seriousness, I don't think so. Especially the whole bomb one, because that was an unintended, what? Ah. <laughs> no, I mean an unintended speedrunning trick. I don't know if it's unintended. They had to have known that you can do it, otherwise it wouldn't work that consistently. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I don't think it was a reference necessarily, but I'm glad... That our brains went to the same place, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. I hope that you hear that part of the episode and you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed reading this. What do you think, Crystal? Yes, I think it is an intentional reference. Oh, okay. That's good then. Gary asks, dubs or subs? <laughs> I like to turn on both. Okay. Yeah, I, I like having subs. It makes it easier to process the dialogue. I think that there are some cases in which subs can take away from the dramas of some scenes because we read too fast because we read too fast and that's why i think that zelda games generally speaking have advantages when they're not voiced but 
you know, subs make it a lot easier for some folks to follow along with what's going on in a TV show or a movie. Monica always has subs on. Rega- I prefer it. Regardless of what we're watching. So, yeah, subs in general, I guess, for the Zelda cartoon in particular. We didn't really get a version that had any uh, subtitles on it, so we had some confusing parts, but it's fine. Okay. Do we want to read this email? Uh, let me see. This is a beefy-ass email. How long have we been recording? Three hours? Three hours. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I don't know. Crystal, do you want me to read this? Let's save it. Okay, we're going to save this. Sorry. Leo, we're going to save this email. Big save. Cameron, where can people find you online? You can find me online at CamWriter on Twitter. Uh, you can find me online at Arcane Crystal on Twitter. And you can listen to some other podcasts on AudioEntropy.com. You can listen to Let's Plays, where we scientifically and objectively rank every video game according to quality. Uh-huh. You can listen to MCU Complete Me, where we talk about if the Marvel movies are good or if they're bad. Listen to Totally Reprise, a show about Totally Spies. All Along the Watchtower, a show about those detective comics cartoons. You listen to D-Comedy, a show about Disney Channel original movies. Oof. That sounds Or fun. Let's Steal a Podcast, a show about the show Leverage. Or you could be a cool person like Reist and go to patreon.com slash arcanecrystal. Give Crystal your money. If you like any of these things, do you want to hear a, a Zelda joke? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm, I mm, I kind of want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This one comes in from Tommy Two Hands. Did you hear the one about Gagan? What's the one about Gagan? Gagan these nuts, Link. <laughs> That's not going to pick up on the mic, but she lost her shit pretty hard just No. There. Yeah, it's good though. No. It's the perfect end to the cartoon episode. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Crystal, you know what we have to do now. What? Do the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take one step and then again. Let's do the Mario all together now. You got it. It's the Mario. The Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take one step and then again. Let's do the Mario all together now.